This week's Talking Simpsons is brought to you by Verve. Do you like streaming classic cartoons like Doug? Anime like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Dragon Ball Super? Original cartoons like Bee and Puppy Cat? Even classics like Freakazoid that you won't find anywhere else? Those are all being carried by Verve. And you can get a 30-day free trial of service on Talking Simpsons if you just head to vrv.co slash WAC. Check it out. endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, where all of your non-sexual dreams come true. I'm your host, Oklasoft CEO Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today. Henry Gilbert, and you can't keep up with the go-go 90s. And who was our special guest? Callie Plaguey, something about the nacho penetration not being total. I wrote it down. I can't remember right now. <laughs> uh, we'll learn more about that later, but today's episode is The Twisted World of Marge Simpson. Greetings, humans. I am Investo the Robot from the planet Opportuniac. My superior brain advises you to enter the franchise fair. Well, we're trying to, but you're blocking our way. Today's episode aired on January 19th, 1997, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> Oh boy, Bobby! Adriana Costanelli, the original voice of Snow White, passes away. Emerald Live debuts on the Food Network, bam! And the English patient wins big at the Golden Globes. So we've finally entered the age of Emerald. Uh, yes. And as Henry pointed out, well, I guess I guess Elzar for Futurama just <laughs> uses Bam as well. But speaking of uh, Nacho penetration, Emerald penetration was uh, was massive in the late '90s. He eventually had his own sitcom, I think. Very briefly, yeah. an Emerald sitcom. Uh, they gave it around six, and I think it debuted like shortly after September 11th, 2001. Mm. So uh, we weren't ready to laugh at Emerald. No, at it point. was a different time after that. I mean, yeah, the Emerald Live with a, a his like putting slight amounts of pepper on things is like. Like, bam, yeah. kick it up a notch. And if you listen to Talking Futurama, uh, the whole Bam thing was because he would have the same audience for several shows because for a lot of low-budget shows like that, they just will film a lot of them in one day. So that was to keep the audience and the crew awake <laughs> uh, because they're also full of food and wine at the same time. Yeah, I mean, all the food you just eat and drink yeah. and... We wouldn't have Elzar in Futurama if it wasn't for this, which, honestly, I wouldn't miss him. You can keep him. (laughs) Uh, What about the English Patient, though? Yeah, the English Patient, which, you know, Seinfeld made it cool to hate on the English Patient. I like the English Patient. I think it's a good movie that is well acted, and I guess it has a little bit of Middle Eastern mysticism BS to it. That's the the, probably the part that's aged the least well, but I I still think it's pretty good. I've never seen it based on that Seinfeld episode. Uh, Callie, Mm -hmm. have you You've seen the English Patient. I'm curious. No, I was three. Okay. I mean, I was. uh, Hey. I was. Wait a minute. You're too young to be on the show. Soon Uh, we will punish you for your youth. Yes. That comes next. But uh, I was 15 and I wasn't buying it. (laughs) So uh, take that, English Patient. No, it's not a movie for 15 year olds. It is like 
a perfect Oscar movie. It stars British people. It's about World War II. It's beautiful to look at. It's, I confuse that with the piano and mm, some other movie. <laughs> they're all the same, basically. There's but, a beach. Is there a beach in this one too? Um, there's dunes and okay, sand. Got it. it the, the real message of the English patient is that no one is what they say they are, and that everybody like there's a guy who's a master thief, but he lost his thumbs, so mm. he can't steal anything. It's about phonies. Got it. The English patient isn't even English. He's an Austrian. They just call him the English patient when he crashes. Boy, I hope you all saw it out there. That's a major spoiler. <laughs> Big spoilers. No, uh, it's we're nobody. We're subscribers now. If you haven't seen the English patient yet, you're not going to. I, I have. Uh, I unless like a film teacher makes you see it, and I feel like they're not even going to do that in film no. classes now. If you've only seen it once, you haven't seen it twice. So, uh, <laughs> I've seen it twice. That's and on the wow. second viewing is when I did appreciate it. A okay, lot it takes more, two yeah. two viewings. Uh, so, Callie Plaggy, you're a special Ooh. guest. In case some folks out there don't know who you are, uh, who are you? Where do you come from? And uh, what is your relationship with the show and uh, our show too? Why not? Yeah, I am uh, the reviews editor at Gamespot, so Ooh. I do the video game thing. Um, as far as The Simpsons goes, as uh, I mentioned, I'm very young, but mm-hmm. I grew up watching it. Maybe that says a lot about me. I don't know. Maybe it says a lot about my parents. <laughs> but it was something that I uh, bonded with my dad over a lot when I was younger. Um, it was like a ritual to watch The Simpsons every night. So I've seen pretty much every episode up until the point where everyone stops watching. Really? So uh, I'm guessing, if I'm doing the math correctly, my English patient math, you were born in uh, 94. I was born in 93. 93. Yeah. So the point in the narrative of The Simpsons timeline where people uh, claim it gets bad, uh, you would have been seven. Yeah. Were you really that harsh of a TV critic? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious. No, I, I continued watching it kind of couple seasons past that point okay um but i mean i would watch reruns every single Got night yeah. so i've i've seen a, a good chunk of it a lot of it out of order and then i've since gone back and kind of known where things fit in the interesting seasons. yeah i'm curious if you didn't grow up alongside the show like us like how you view the narrative and how mm-hmm. you fit things into uh you know because a lot of the show that people love happened before you were able to process mm-hmm. it or yeah. were alive yeah a lot of it came from watching like re-watching it as i grew up and discovering new th- jokes that i obviously couldn't have gotten um you know the parodies that I hadn't yet seen the origin of, and then I had <laughs> seen it, and then I, I watched that episode again, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm an idiot. I can't believe I didn't know what this was. So a lot of my appreciation for the show came from getting that context as I grew up, and so a lot of my pop culture knowledge is in reference to The Simpsons in mm. a lot of ways. I've heard from many of our guests, like the the viewing of syndicated episodes with a parent is a real like warm and fuzzy memory for folks here. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I watched them with my parents a lot, but really, but on the original run of them just on the yeah, Sundays event night. But though, like every night, that's just every night a Simpsons that is new to you. Like that mm-hmm. is that does sound like a dream way of watching it. Yeah. yeah. And as a kid, I really related to Lisa really hardcore. Mm. I was just in love with her. And so that uh, was also um, kind of a formative thing for me. Um, but yeah, every night, uh, I mean, eventually they weren't new. Eventually I'd seen the same right. episode. But like my, my the whole family has like inside jokes that aren't like Simpsons fan inside jokes. It's just like one quote from an episode nobody remembers that but we all remember. <laughs> And one of those is actually in this episode. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite episode of all time? Uh, that's curious. a good question. Oh my gosh. That's 
so hard for I, I mean I'm a I really like Halloween so I always enjoy the Treehouse of Horror episodes I really like uh the I see I don't know the names because I would just watch them as they came on uh but the one with the daughter from Roseanne oh, where she's the babysitter new kid on the block yes yes that's um, a great one I like that one a lot uh, I like a lot of the, the Lisa one with the teacher oh Lisa substitute yeah yep. do it for her In the Maggie, Maggie one the, yeah <laughs> yeah. 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 Then that was another. That is another one written by the writer of this episode too. My my dad's favorite one is um, from the episode with Krusty's daughter, where he loses the violin. Oh, and yeah. the two they're like uh, Homer and Krusty are on the power lines, and I legs and the other one are like. <laughs> I hear there's a solar eclipse tonight. Maybe we should look up. And for some reason, maybe we should look up is like a big thing in my family. Like Doesn't whenever the other guy say nah. Yeah, he's yeah. like nah, and that's like a big thing. Um, when like fire, like if it's a fireworks occasion, my dad's like maybe we should look up. So uh, I thought I didn't know the name of it, but now I do. It's uh, Insane Clown Poppy. Is yeah. Yeah. Season 13, 14, maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's really like dates on. that one because it's about the uh, he conceives the child in, during Operation Desert Storm. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like 12 or something. Mm, yeah, yeah. So it really dates God, it. There's so many episodes. I can't list all of the ones that I really like. I'm just trying to think of the ones off the top of my head. I just like the ones where, like this one, where Homer is like trying to be a good person. Yeah, he's very supportive in this episode, yeah. actually. He's not like just waving his hand at Marge's, you know, dreams and aspirations. Yeah. He's really on board with this. Even though it takes a lot of energy and effort, he could be drinking beer and watching TV. <laughs> he's not the Homer of... The next episode <laughs> with uh, Sherry Bobbins. No, oh my God. This really? Episode, two episodes after this is Sherry Bobbins. Really? Where Homer is just like, nah, I don't care. Like, he's like, oh, your mom really seems troubled. We should help her out after this commercial. Is that the one where he goes, all oh, those stairs? All oh, those stairs. Uh, <laughs> that could be another one. No, that's another one. Yeah. But this episode, some uh, production details. It's the last credited episode uh, with Jennifer Crittenden as the writer. Mm -hmm. She was hired in season six uh, through like a Fox Young Writers program. And I believe she was like an intern at Letterman or something before that. But really notably, the first female writer on the show. And on I, staff. On staff, right, right. Not as a freelancer. But I think secretly, or maybe not so secretly, she made these years a lot better. And there, there are her touches that we don't see that are credited to her that have made the show a lot more than it could have been without her. I think so, too. I think, you know, The Simpsons, famously, they didn't have a woman as a staff writer until season six with Jennifer Crittenden. Before Nell Scoville and Mimi Pond had written episodes as freelancers, but having a woman in the staff writer's room all the time, I think, probably made the guys in charge make some better choices or different choices than they would have made. And I think especially like this episode and scenes from the class struggle of Springfield, the previous one she'd written, is so much about the internal life of Marge that the writers <laughs> seemed disinterested in yes. until this episode. The male writers were like, we need to make this wacky. Uh, <laughs> Marge is the enemy of wacky town. Yeah, she really is. <laughs> Marge just shows up to be like, I don't want five. <laughs> <laughs> but the jokes about her being boring are great, especially in this episode, mm -hmm. about her being boring and afraid to take any risks. I love mm -hmm. them. Yes. One of my one of my lines of the show is her, uh, well, we'll get to it, but it's her, I don't know, complaining about how she wanted to think of possibly doing something. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
they start from the point that Marge is boring and they interrogate why she is boring or what makes her uninterested in, in a challenge and stuff like that. And though I also think this episode, you know, it's a little sweaty. On the commentary, they even kind of admit like yeah. the ending got away from them. And it is, <laughs> I criticize other episodes for having an ending that just comes out of nowhere or where the character, or that's not an ending. And this is kind of one of those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Macarini takes credit and then uh, kind of takes the credit back after he sees it again <laughs> on the commentary. But yeah, I should I should point out though, if you were alive in 1997 in the mid 90s, it was really the rise of PETA in America. <laughs> Uh, and also, as we see in this episode, them really trying to Americanize it. Because isn't that whole area a little iffy? If, I, <laughs> I, I, that's one of my favorite. That's my favorite joke ever. from this episode. But yeah. my, so good. I mean, we would not put uh, crunch patties in them or uh, what is it? Flavor sauce? Flavor or sauce, flavor yeah. sauce. Uh, But we would put like ham and mustard in them and things like that. <laughs> but my mom would bring them home like, what are what are these? But they were, and I guess, um, I don't remember this as well as pita, but pretzels were also taking off, I guess. Uh, Aunt but, Annie was the big pretzel mm-hmm. in my area, the, which were just Boy. like they're not they're shaped donuts they're not they're not pretzels. let me tell you those really stink up a mall you can smell oh, the yeah. yeah. from like a thousand yards away or the wetzel's pretzels yeah yeah yeah, yeah no and my mall where I worked at the movie theater, it was the movie theater, AMC theater attached to the mall. So if I wanted to go through the mall to like eat at the food court, I had to walk by the Aunt Annie's and just that scent is wedged in my brain now forever. It's like a sickly sweet smell mixed with like (laughs) weird mustard. Yeah, but like you know it's going to be savory and salty when you bite into it. It's just a confusing thing My mouth is kind of watering now, by the way. Yeah, I know. Now uh, I really want one. (laughs) I never really liked hot pretzels. They're always kind of cheap and kind of unsatisfying, but now I live by a German restaurant and it's like... I didn't know there were this many kinds of mustard. <laughs> oh my god, this is great. I had mustard. <laughs> I though have never really given crunch patties a try. Oh, falafel's it's, good. I should. I should. Well, well, I think there's a falafel place like uh, two blocks away. Yeah, from they me. make a lot of balls puns, which I don't appreciate. It's just like <laughs> let us handle your balls because they serve it in ball form. By oh, the way. that place. Yeah. yeah, I walk by that place a lot. Uh, they're trying too hard. I not. Think. I'm not about that sign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta admit, it's not very appetizing. <laughs> no. But I will say, I, it's pretty good. But if you order fries. They will give you like a grocery bag full of French fries. Really? <laughs> they cost potato famines with their fry orders there. I don't understand it. Um, so yeah, so if you're in Berkeley, don't eat at the place we don't know the name of. <laughs> so we're not going there after this. Um, you're saying. Probably not. <laughs> Unless you want a grocery bag full of French fries I just to want, feed your family. I just want one of those, what are they, crunch patties? Already, crunch patties, yeah. yes. Uh, served by Christopher. <laughs> I, flavor sauce. I do wonder this episode, though, the ending, what it was in. I have a feeling this changed Crinton's original third act. I yeah, think. I don't. I wonder think, what it would have been. I don't think the mob was in her original story at all. I feel like no. that was a... Um, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like the Yakuza being the last thing you see, that could never have happened if Fat Tony wasn't there. So yeah. The mob stuff feels a little out of left field, yeah. I think. But not that it's it's fun. There it's are a lot... A, I mean, this episode has a ton of good jokes, but I mean, it does kind of... The ending is sort of like, you didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. the characters are taken aback by it a bit. Yeah. How'd we get here? Yeah. I do really like the... like. The little guy hasn't done anything yet, and yeah. I, I, it's going to be awesome. Homer knows that uh, his life will follow the same logic as movies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so when this episode starts, first, just a quick thing. We don't always talk about the couch gags, but on this couch gag, they play the same music that Homer sees crusty fantasies to. Yeah, like crazy calliope music, and when the people are burning on the floor, he sees them as clowns. Yeah, Clowns are funny. But then we come into the episode of the Municipal House of Pancakes. Oh, that's really good. Oh, I can't believe they 
say the pancakes here stink. Thank you, Agnes. <laughs> Let's begin. I'm happy to report that our shares in Dynaflux Unimatics are up a delicious seven and three quarters. This means our investment club portfolio has nearly doubled in value. I suggest we pump our profits into some new high-risk ventures. Oh, oh, how about Oplasoft? It's Oklahoma's fastest-growing software company. Um, cushions? Everybody likes to sit on cushions. Children are so fat today. Isn't there some way we can make money off that? There's a franchise fair this weekend. Why don't we buy a business? I'm not wild about these high-risk ventures. They sound a little risky. <laughs> oh, Marge, you are such a wet blanket. If we'd listened to you, we wouldn't have sponsored that Mexican wrestler. Uh -huh. Yet she still gets to share in all the profits. Uh -huh. Is that fair? Uh -huh. I guess I'm just not comfortable with the whole idea of investing. Mm, face it, you can't keep up with a go-go 90s. Well, Marge, you're about as popular as Rugburn. <laughs> all in favor of expelling Marge from the investorettes. Aye. All right, Helen. If I'm not wanted, I'll leave. You'll get your pancakes in the mail. Oh, the investorettes. I love all the investorettes, but the, I want to start with Agnes. Like this. Yeah. Agnes has been great before this episode, but this is my favorite, one of my favorite Agnes moments together yeah. ever. Like just the, the, the pounding on, of the table, especially yeah. with Bud, like, yeah, I heard these pancakes stink. It stink. <laughs> like that, it's such a great, like, walla, it's just walla walla voice things that you don't, it, it's in this, Script conversation and then punctuate with I hear that pancakes here stink. Yeah, the way <laughs> Thank she hits Agnes. Like, <laughs> the way she hits stink is great. Also, I mean, uh, who Agnes was was implied up to this point, but I feel like this is the first time she's coming to her own <laughs> and she's being who we always thought she was. Like, we knew she was a terror to her son, mm -hmm. but we didn't know it was this extreme. But it's <laughs> to like all people. Yes, it, like this is who she will be for the rest of the show. I and mean, it's great. I love, I love this this characterization of her. My favorite moment with her comes a little bit later, so mm -hmm. I don't need to get to yeah. that now but yeah I, I know where we're going with well, this i know what you're talking yeah. about too when it's an episode that announces her as agnes they say her name yeah. so much that it's like how can the audience not think of agnes all the time now it's not mm -hmm. skinner's mom anymore it's skinner. agnes yeah actually i looked this up because i wasn't sure and that's a super granular that's why we're here yes. uh in bart the fink uh chalmers is taking her out on a date and he calls her agnes oh. So okay. I think Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein named her, but that was such a small scene, and mm. he just says, well, have a good night, Agnes, or whatever, and that's all you hear of it. So that was the first time she was called that, but I thought it was this episode until I did Frankie Act research. That's like Kirk <laughs> Van Houten as well. They named him a year before yeah. it actually became a thing. I also, I like that municipal house of pancake. I like a pancake house, not just like IHOP, <laughs> but... Uh, just well, isn't, say, that I, isn't it IHOP now? It's like... I uh, think they've gone back they, to IHOP. They, they were talking of, like bloods on Twitter for like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like we need to diversify two kinds of unhealthy food for you. Yeah. This investor ets group is really cool. It does feel like it's starting with a core idea, same as seen in the class struggle of Springfield, that it is Marge wants friends, a life outside of the home. That's how she's hanging out with these women who are just like kind of mean to her, pretty mean to her, but she, yeah. who else is she going to hang out with? I, I find Maude's behavior in this episode the most like strange. It she's seems out more of out of character for her. Like Helen's always been terrible, yeah. but like Maude, I mean, I don't know. It's always weird for me to see Maude <laughs> in an episode because I'm so used to the idea that she is dead, but like, <laughs> uh, but it was just, I don't know. I, I was watching this episode and 
like rewatching it and I was like, oh, that's not the mod that I was expecting. <laughs> kind of forgot about this. Well, she is very judgmental, but I think I think even they knew like she would not be this extreme. So I think like an order of lines that are given to characters like Agnes gets the most and Hel- mm-hmm. um and Helen Lovejoy gets the second most and Luann disappears. She's gone yeah. after this meeting. So I think they might have must have bought her out in a Maude. hostile takeover. <laughs> yeah, Maud more so functions as Helen's sidekick, I yeah. guess. So it's still so weird to later we're gonna hear Maud say the Japanese mafia. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, though you know. It's, speaking of the makeup of this group, I do think it's funny that super prudes Helen, Maude, and Agnes are with the very sexually free <laughs> Edna and Luann. They're all brought together in their love of investment. Yeah, maybe they just didn't. They didn't agree with her single lifestyle. And they kicked her out. Uh, but that phrase, the Go Go Nineties. I I I'm on the podcast Retronauts, and I write a lot about retro games. I have to stop myself from putting that into <laughs> articles when I write about the Nineties because it's so fun to say and write, and I have to stop myself from doing go-go 90s and uh dynaflux is a pretty great name too they have the company a very 90s business name i i think too that like you know marge is a wet blanket when she's being called that by maude yeah queen of wet blankets (laughs) no sugar (laughs) it's true and i can really get in touch with marge's fear of like risks and just she's like uh, that i don't mean politically conservative but she's conservative and just like like even the idea of investment which is the name of the group she's like i don't know (laughs) Uh, doesn't the high-risk venture sound a little risky yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's so cute it's it's kind of cute i feel and and then agnes is just so fucking mean to her just like still she gets to share in the profit yeah (laughs) uh so they throw her out then when they get back to the dining table it's such a great like immediate callback when Homer's asking about the pancakes. I love. God, that I know. Yeah, so good. Because I, I mean, it's a good, it's a good gag. Like when it happens, mm-hmm. and then for him to immediately come back to it, I. I like I the callback. Like, it's it's yeah. what he's most invested in. Yeah. It's like I don't care about your problems. I want these pancakes. They mentioned. I want stale pancakes <laughs> sent in a ma- in an envelope. <laughs> but then he becomes much more invested in Marge when he finds out the pancakes aren't coming. Yeah. <laughs> also, a hot dog for dinner. That's that's weird. But that. The animation, him smacking himself in the eye with the hot dog, and then the way he's like testing his eye out yeah. afterwards as they're all still talking. So, such great animation. Chuck Sheets, the director of this one, him and his team did a really great job on this. I, and oh, yeah, you know, Jennifer Crinton, she left this for Seinfeld. That's right. So, mm-hmm. I, I want to assume that she stayed on for the writing of season eight, not just like, I'm out of here after this one. I would think she yeah. stayed till the end. I would think her contract ran out at the end of eight and then but applied th- for Seinfeld. She'd be on for like the last two years of Seinfeld then. So, like the non. Larry David years. <laughs> There's not a lot of Lisa in this, but I do like that Lisa really gets behind Marge. Like she's like, mm. "Mom, come on, you got to roll the dice here. Like, let's let's do it, yeah. Mom." It's sweet. It's I think it's actually very similar yeah. to the role she played in scenes from the class struggle of Springfield. Mm-hmm. Same deal of like telling Marge to go for it. Yeah, she's really in Marge's corner. It's great to see, <laughs> even though Lisa does she have a line after this outside of the ending? <laughs> They're good pretzels, Mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, I think she asks it, uh, what's she, going on Yeah, outside. she asks so yeah, outside. That's yeah. the only other line I remember that Lisa says. Yeah. But she, I do appreciate that she's like there for Marge on it. And I like the role reversal there, mm, the yeah. way it paints both of them. I just love Lisa. That's my yeah. input. Uh, so they decide to head to the franchise fair and take their chances. That's where we get to meet Investo the robot, which... 
I do like Investo, but I think I like more season nine's Robbie the Automaton. I thought the line that Robbie says Investo was going to say after the coffee gets poured in him. Yeah, I know. Was that why was I programmed to feel pain? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> they're of the same piece, though. Yeah. It's Robbie the Automaton that chokes Skinner and everybody that's right. applauds. I like He's choking me. Yay. And the man is outside in a tree. Controlling <laughs> him. Yeah. Uh, one of Oakley and Weinstein's best drinks is observational stuff about regular life. And this feels so much like a 20 years ago franchise fair and all the all the different pitch men you would see. Like I, I love all of them, really. Well, that's the miracle of the franchise. You get all the equipment and know-how you need, plus a familiar brand name people trust. You'll be on a rocket ride to the moon. And while you're there, would you pick up some of that nice green moon money for me? Royce McCutcheon. No deal, McCutcheon. That moon money is mine. Now, folks, I don't want to alarm you, but scientists say 40% of America's pictures are hanging crooked. No. Yeah, it's true. And I hear you asking, well, who's going to straighten out all these artistic abominations? Your friends? A neighbor? Those fat cats in Washington? (laughs) Good luck. Hey, you know, maybe no one will notice. Maybe the problem will just fix itself. Now you're the one who's being naive. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But you sound like you're ready to become your own boss in the exciting world of frame nudging. Yes, for a minimal franchise fee, you'll receive a pair of straightening gloves, a canister of wall lubricant, and a booklet of the most commonly asked questions you will hear, including who are you and what are you doing here? There's no real profit in this business. No. You know, it's like a very, uh, maybe perhaps someone with some uh, obsessive compulsive tendencies wanting yeah. to straighten everyone's pictures. Well, also, yeah. you don't, for that franchise fee, you're not getting a lot. You're, you're getting gloves and wall, wall lubricant in yeah. a book uh, that's unhelpful. Yeah. If I love the phrase, that moon money is mine. It's one of the things that runs through my head if I'm making a deal. It's like, that moon money is mine. Read moon money. Well, and moon money is not like a thing. He's just making it up. Yeah. There's, che- there's cheese on the moon. There's yeah. not money uh and royce mccutcheon is a great name mm-hmm. they probably spent 10 hours thinking of the perfect weird franchisee <laughs> name it's very perfect i yeah. mean th- this is the kind of scene that makes me nostalgic for a time where i was not like a sentient being <laughs> because like it's just such a perfect snapshot of something that i never got to experience that's what watching it with my parents gets me is mm. my parents will be like oh and this reminds us of this commercial that was airing at the time I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, now I wish I had been born earlier. Like, it's like Mar- Marge is sort of playing along with that window straightening guy as if she's on an infomercial. Yeah, sorry, picture I straightening love that. guy. I because love that. she would be the like uh, housewife, like t- a co-host exactly. on one of those infomercial programs. Like, now you're the one who's being naive. Yeah. You know, and home- you can't tell me it'll do this. That's what, that's what their role always all was. All that in one pan. This thing is not coming out. <laughs> yeah, but my popcorn can't all be made in this can. <laughs> yeah, it's Homer is similar the perfect room for them like uh, no McCutcheon that moon money's mine he's not going to share the moon money and he, and that's I love the Harry Shearer voice on that guy like who are you and what are you doing here yeah <laughs> those fat cats in Washington <laughs> those fat cats <laughs> uh, right after that we run into the rest of the group and mm. Marge remembers why she's here hello Helen Marge Edna Marge uh Oh, my name is Agnes, and you know it's Agnes. It means lamb, lamb of God. I'm sorry, Agnes. Marge? (laughs) 
Did you know that disco record sales were up 400% for the year ending 1976? If these trends continue, hey! Uh, your fish are dead. Yeah, I know. I can't get them out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's the it's the grand return of Disco Stew introduced mm-hmm. in Two Bad Neighbors. Uh, he was also had an, a non speaking role in Burns Baby Burns. I believe he was dancing in the end. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it was funny because like you at, at this point in the show you would not expect him to return. Yeah. Uh, he was a one note joke for a rhinestone gun gone wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. gag. <laughs> but uh, at this point it was clear like oh no Disco Stew is just going to be around for uh, <laughs> because I mean it was popular at the time to make seventies jokes. In case you don't know, he was doing the John Travolta Staying Alive dance when he's going to go up. <laughs> and also uh, A's from the Fonz from Happy Days the kids need to know this and also that thing with the goldfish in, the, in his shoes it wasn't didn't happen that often but it happened yeah <laughs> you take him out for that night I, it seems like animal cruelty to me <laughs> to have yeah. like fish in your clothing it, yeah but it was all you'd sacrifice anything to be the coolest on the dance floor it's true and yeah. uh, now it is animal cruelty I think those fish are very well preserved for being dead in his shoes <gasps> yeah. for that I long. had the exact same <laughs> thought I was first of all I had forgotten about Disco Stew completely and I was like, oh, yeah, Disco Stew's back. And then I thought that the fish should be uh, significantly more decomposed. Than yeah, they, they must have just died like at the fair. <laughs> yeah, he just got those shoes. He only yeah. realized it. <laughs> well, and speaking of lines used, you know, recreationally in real life, Bob and me, when we're talking about our Patreon and how successful it is, mm-hmm. but uh, but but when we're talking so about much moon it, money. we do say, I, I have said, and hey, if these trends continue, hey. <laughs> <laughs> We actually have real graphs to look yes, at. Yes, yeah, that don't end in 1976. Yeah. They, they go beyond that. <laughs> and then before that, the Agnes scene. One, who who can't uh, identify with starting a sentence thinking you know someone's name and then hitting the middle <laughs> like, Ooh, you? Uh, yeah. buddy, how's it going? And Agnes does not mean Lamb of God. It means uh, pure or holy. I believe, uh, I believe Elisha actually means Lamb of God. But oh. even on the commentary, they pointed out, but it's funny when a very mean person Person, it means lamb, lamb yeah. of God. <laughs> She's just very insistent, and I would accept that too. If I was Marge, I'd be like, "Fine, your name means that. I accept yeah, I it. Yeah. Stop yelling at me." It stuck out to me that she doesn't greet Maud. Yeah, at yeah. all. And then the Agnes bit comes, and it's like, "Oh yeah, she, like none of us knew who she was really, besides <laughs> Skinner's." Like I half expected her to say Skinner's mom. Um, <laughs> Maybe they they froze out uh, Luann Van Houten. They're freezing out Maud, just not talking to her. Yeah, yeah. they're just slowly <laughs> trimming the fat. It's hard. Yeah, that's harsh. It is. It is a mean girl treatment. The investorettes. <laughs> <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Whether you're listening to this enjoying crunch patties or some not bread, we hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Talking Simpsons, and we thank you for listening. If you're a listener and you subscribe on iTunes, have you ever thought about leaving us a good review? That's an easy free way to help us, but if you'd like to help us even more than that, you should sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. We give you so many exclusives for your money there, starting with, for $5 a month, you get access to every episode of this podcast a week 
early and ad-free. You can be listening to our thoughts on Mountain of Madness right now with our special guest. And the same ad-free and week early policy goes for What a Cartoon, our sister podcast where Bob and me go through a different cartoon each week in the same Talking Simpsons style. But that's only the beginning. You'll get access to regular interviews we do with Simpsons alumni. We've talked with folks like Josh Weinstein about the first season of Disenchantment and how his work on The Simpsons informed it. We talked to Mark Kirkland, the most prolific director in Simpsons history. You'll get access to that and also our exclusive Patreon podcast like Talking Critic, where me and Bob go through every episode of The Critic that includes the terrible webisodes and Talking Futurama, the limited series where we went through the first season of Futurama. Hear all of that and tons more stuff coming all the time for just $5 a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. And if you can only give us a dollar, you'll still get something too. Not just our thanks, but access to our monthly community podcast where me and Bob read our favorite comments of the month. So be sure to check all that out at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Hey folks, I have a deal here that even Royce McCutcheon could appreciate. It's Verve, the streaming service that has hundreds of hours of content available for you, and you can get a free 30-day free trial of it free thanks to Talking Simpsons. If you go to verve.co slash wacvrv.co slash whack, you'll be able to sign up for a 30-day free trial of Verve, a streaming service which has tons of anime from Crunchyroll and Funimation, tons of classic Nickelodeon 90s shows from Nick Splat, Verve exclusives like Freakazoid, and even some cool stuff from Cartoon Brew like one of my favorites, Bee and Puppycat. You'll find all of that at Verve, and you can get that free 30-day trial, which also helps out your buddies at Talking Simpsons at VRV. Dot co slash wac one more time vrv.co slash wac for that 30-day free trial of the great streaming service I think Fleet of Pita might be my line of the episode. I love Fleet of Pita so much. I, I love the uh, the gentle racism uh, that the that the white characters express in this. I mean, I'm not on board with it, but it does remind me of growing up in a suburban environment in the in the 90s, and this being the attitudes people had. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, and also the fact that it's it's handled in such a like surprisingly good way in this yeah, episode yeah. in a way that like. Rewatching it now, having not watched this episode in years, I was really surprised. Actually, the way it was handled was impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's aged very well because uh, surprisingly, like American culture continues to take ethnic food and strip it of all cultural markings to sell it in the most mainstream and white way possible. And so it worked this way in the seventy. I mean, yeah. you'll see that right now with like halal food mm. or kebabs or pretty much anything with hummus. Like it, it's all trying to be stripped of cultural markings to sell it to people who think areas are a little iffy. iffy yeah, I mean, I identify with this. Uh, growing up, my food choices were very limited because of you just didn't eat non-white 
foreign foods because of like the stereotypes as in like oh they make they make they eat cats and dogs or mm-hmm. they're dirty they don't wash their utensils or whatever there are all these all these stereotypes that aren't true but like I would just never go to these restaurants so it wasn't until college that I had like Indian food and falafel for the first time and I didn't eat like Chinese food until I was 18 like no, I had a very similar things. experience yeah. yeah I moved to Berkeley and then I had Indian food for the first time wow yeah, yeah. I, I was probably in my mid-20s when I had uh, Indian food for the first time yeah I, I, I was I, like who was keeping this from me it's delicious I know I mean, I, was, I had the added I didn't I mean it, it was a little bit later on and so I don't think it was necessarily as like mm, that's foreign food or anything yeah. I, I also happened to be an extremely anxious eater mm-hmm. so I think that was a factor too but I moved to Berkeley and I was like oh I've never like walked by this many Indian restaurants or this many like I have the opportunity to try this whereas I didn't where I grew up so yeah, I really relate to that. Yeah, me too. Italian it, food was the most foreign food that we would eat. Yep. Like, yeah. we fancy a, spaghetti. If we went to a Greek place, it'd be like, huh, boy, Greek. I don't know. This is where it's like. And meanwhile, like, yeah, Asian places too is just like sushi. This like uh, the Simpsons captured that very well. Of just like, isn't that raw fish? That's that's to kill you, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Like, oh, and we talked about it too in our Treehouse of Horror. The last Treehouse of Horror, we did the Chinese restaurant syndrome. Oh, you're right. Thing. Yeah. Just the ginned up fear about MSG that mm-hmm. it would it would cause you to have a heart attack, which is like, well, it could just be salty and you mm-hmm. had yeah. a reaction. It's, to lots it's of delicious. Salt. MSG is great. <laughs> yeah, I demand it in all my food. <laughs> uh, but let's let's all learn about crunch patties here. Hmm, <laughs> pita. <laughs> well, I don't know about food from the Middle East. Isn't that whole area a little iffy? <laughs> hey, I'm no geographer. You and I, why don't we call it pocket bread, huh? Uh, what's tahini? Flavor sauce. And falafel? Crunch patties. So we'd be selling foreign Specialty food. Specialty foods. Here, try a Ben Franklin. Mmm, <laughs> uh. that is good. What's in it? Tabula and resme kebab. Uh, that's our chef, Christopher. Blah, for echte <laughs> I, I love uh, I just love this pure cynicism uh, exhibited by this uh, franchisor mm-hmm. in that I gotta sell to these these terrified white people yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna euphemize everything yep. these very um, prudish like white Christian women and I especially I think the capper for the names is when she says his name is Christopher which like that is yeah. Christ right in it mm-hmm. like that's yeah, the perfect that's true. the perfect Christian name to give him and is, the cruelty of stripping a man's name away yep. yeah is, is he actually speaking a, a real language I don't think he I, I want to say that Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein were a little more careful about I that so it's possible when they spoke Hindi in previous episodes they would make they would often make sure not all the time but they would often make sure same with like later in this season when they speak Japanese for the Mr. Sparkle commercial it is Japanese that, that too. is yeah yeah so it sounds distinct enough that it doesn't sound like Hank area making up words <laughs> though if you recognize the language <laughs> let us yeah, let's know not, I'd be curious say, to see yeah. what he's saying that was the one thing about the scene that I was like that that was my one concern with the scene, right? Because yeah, I think yeah. everything else really nails like the here's a a white person appropriating something to sell it to white people and mm. down to the we're calling this a Ben Franklin yeah, just right, to make Franklin. you feel real comfortable yeah, that this yeah. isn't foreign. Well, like I thought all of that and in the the fact that that is a lasting like a a bit that still makes sense <laughs> that you could have aired today is upsetting deeply to yeah. me, but also um, is very telling and <laughs> impression. So that was the one thing that stuck out to me. I was like, I really hope that those are real words. They don't even let 
the woman doesn't even let her get out the word foreign. She's like, yeah. specialty. specialty. Yeah. specialty. Yeah. <laughs> well, let them say the other things, but like, for no, specialty. Yeah. And I love she's so upset when, quote unquote, Christopher comes out because you know that, like, he makes the food because they don't know how. Mm-hmm. He's the one ingredient they can't get rid of or make into a white person because he knows how to make it. <laughs> and she's probably just so mad. And just like, get out of here. You're she, supposed to stay in the truck. She yeah. just back up and close the window as he's cursing them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, uh, it's so fun. I, I, I want to give that whole bit the line of the episode. Yeah, I love it. That's the joke. <laughs> Uh, well, and actually, it's jingle fever here because before we play our next clip, it's time to play the death jingle. Uh, wait one second, though. Actually, Marge's line after that oh, yeah. scene, they've jumped on the one franchise I might possibly have considered thinking about becoming interested in. Uh, it's a nice it's a nice capper. To, I'll include that in the line of the show. Yeah. Capsule we're doing here. That's me approaching pretty much anything in my whole life. <laughs> Dating. Just it, general, what should I eat today? It's a hard <laughs> sentence to get out. I want to tweet it all the time, or at least I want it to run through my mind, but it's it's a mouthful. It is a lot, yeah. but it is the the it is a vibe and is a mood. Oh, yeah, it it's a total mood. <laughs> no, it is big reluctance. <laughs> no, it is. I when if I see somebody like I don't know, buy something, the last of something that I was thinking about buying, but I definitely, well, I wasn't going to buy. I then think to myself <laughs> that thought of just like, I was maybe becoming considering be interested in. We've got Dead Man Walking here. Mm. Jack Lemon. Not no more, he ain't. Death stalks you at every turn. Ah, there it is, death. <laughs> so the Jack Lemon, the mm-hmm. late Jack Lemon, I, as a kid, knew him as the grumpy old man, one of two grumpy old men. And I really only explored like his stuff related to that as a kid like grumpy old man then grumpier old man then also watching the odd couple which it's it is a in a weird pace for a a kid and they're like who's 12 who's used to like oh comedy's from the 70s or mel brooks right yeah no sometimes (laughs) it's just angry men shouting at each other humorously in one room i love that movie but they add a scene in which they go to the grocery store like we have to get them out of the stinky apartment (laughs) they have to go somewhere else and it's weird i i mean the 70s also r.i.p neil simon that too he just passed i mean so like uh they always have amc on uh in the pizza pub i work out of and there's lots of 70s movies on and i'm like at a certain point america accepted walter Matthau as a sexual being and they were invested (laughs) in that it's just like I don't want to think about it. I don't want to be invested in this, if this man finds love in any way. But he's yeah. also a jerk in everything too. So it really it's is. Like I don't know. It's, you're not handsome and you're a jerk. <laughs> but this character uh, obviously is based on the Shelley character from Glengarry Glen Ross, and it's funny because in a year they will do another parody of that character that is like this times a thousand. So Gil, voiced by Dan Castellaneta, is like. A, a super hyped up impression of Jack Lemon, which I think is kind of better than this character. After having years of Gil, I'm like, this guy is not desperate enough. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. not living in a storage unit with a hot <laughs> well, plate. So Gil got the flanderization, though, yeah. through continual jokes. I mean, in his first appearance, Gil is sadder than Frank Ormond. He brings a. He brings a wall to his cubicle in That's from right. home. Like he, he's scared of Cookie Kwan. He's just you scared me. <laughs> uh, but they definitely got Jack Lemon here to play Frank Warman like Shelley. And I have a clip here of him if you'd like to hear some pure Shelley desperation. Oh, sure, yeah. So you're here to sell me some land? No. 
Oh, I wouldn't try to sell you land. I leave that to the salesmen, you know, and the people who want to own land. I think something has to be fed, uh, watered, and painted, you know, but don't invest in it, and that motto has stood me in good stead. Uh, Mr. I don't just call me Shelley. I have never been afraid of familiarity. <laughs> I'm walking out the door. I've got to pick up my wife with the... <laughs> Let's take my car, huh? We'll pick her up together. Spoke to the little woman on the phone. Can't wait to meet her. No, we've got... We're going over to our relatives. Oh, she didn't say anything about uh, I'm sure that. she forgot. I'm on a plane to Florida. Well, I'm oh. so sorry if we put you out. No, you she, didn't put uh... me out. Now, I'm just trying to think, Larry. <laughs> you know, that's the only parcel that I've got. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to the computer, I'm going to pull another one, and we're going to speak to your relatives, no, too. No, no. Now, come on, no, you're a busy no. man, Larry, and so no, am listen, I. My listen. God, I'm in the act of giving a gift away. Look, <laughs> I don't want to... Uh. It's great. I mean, it's it's hard to listen to. It's a great movie, by the way, unless you get the wrong impression from the first scene in which oh, yeah. uh, turn it off. If yeah. you think Alec Baldwin's cool, it's like, <laughs> I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I close all the time. A no. lot of assholes love yeah. that movie. For The film is not about how to be an asshole and threaten people's jobs. That's not what Glenn Gary... <laughs> yeah. Not the, like... Dave Mamet has uh, gone off the deep end. He really say. has, yeah. And it's it's telling that uh, no women speak in this movie. Mm, are I think there women in this movie? You see a waitress for four seconds, okay. I think. So technically. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> I have a strict policy. <laughs> There's got to be at least one speaking woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in that scene there, Shelly arrives like, oh, I spoke to your wife. And then he's like, well, my wife's not here. And it just made me think like, David Mamet could have written this scene to have a woman speak to him it wouldn't have we know what he from. thinks but <laughs> I, I love the performance there it's so masterful but he's trying to express confidence but there's just like this through line of desperation that he's trying to bury but he can't do it <laughs> um, it's it's like again it's like hard to listen to and hard to watch because you, you empathize with that character so much you've been in situations like that where you, it's like you're basically naked like you're 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 vulnerable but you're trying not to be you're so vulnerable and you all you got to do is sell this thing and this guy's like, I really don't want this. He's like, me neither. I don't want it. But hey, I can drive you someplace. Let's talk some more. I mean, come on. I mean, I've sold I've sold uh, Game Informer subscriptions at Game. Oh, Stop. God. There we go. I did it right. I did it right. <laughs> that is from, my daily life. <laughs> from, someone from GameSpot is here. And I don't want careful. to insult them. But it's a brain thing I have. Watch all of Glenn Glary again, Ross. Like, actually, that scene with Alec Baldwin being an asshole. Uh, surprisingly, Alec Baldwin's very good at playing assholes. Um... <laughs> That scene was written for the movie. They right, that scene right. isn't in the play, so it actually really stands out from the rest of the movie. And that was the one scene on YouTube I could find that was good with Jack Lemmon that did not have Kevin Spacey in it. So also warning: if you're going to watch Glengarry Glenn Ross, Kevin Spacey has a major role. I in forgot it. about that. Yep, man, yeah. he's ruined so many things. Good used on to be you in. for finding <laughs> yeah. the one clip without him. Damn. Uh, well, I guess he died in 2001, uh, June yes. 27th, at the age of he was only 76 when he died. Aww. So that's too bad. Uh, but I mean, he's great in a million things. The Apartment is another one that Jack mm, Lemmon is very, right. very good in. But uh, let's hear him talk about some not bread. Uh, I'm not cut out for the world of business. Do you sound like me? Well, the old me, which was ironically the young me. I was once like you were, young lady, like all these people, lost in a sea of flashy gimmicks and empty promises. Then God tossed me a life preserver, a tasty golden brown life preserver. Here, try a pretzel. Mm, That's not bad. It's not only not bad, it's not bread. 
Not bread, you get it? Huh? <laughs> you see? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not bread. Let's hear it for the newest members of the Fleeta Pita franchise. I'm feeling good from my head to my Maud, Helen, Agnes, Luann, Edna, Bart. Whoa, we're number one. We're number one. What's wrong? Wait, wait, wait. Hey. It's not exciting action, but the animation of them all jumping through the hoops and like high fiving each other down the line, it's very well done. I love it. And, and Luann is there. Yeah. 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 The she I like the oh, yeah, yeah. she is there for some she reason. She hasn't been yeah. iced out there. Yeah. <laughs> she showed up there. Maybe she was uh just late to the fleet of PETA Maybe. sign up. But she had I, a date. She's, she's that checks out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, that's a good, that, I got to give it to the Fleet of Pita franchisers. They are really like, they got them to darken the whole auditor, like the whole convention center and get a spotlight on their new signups. Mm-hmm. That was right. And then somehow I like the implication that Bart not only like jumped in, but he somehow got yeah. her to say his name and think he was one of the sign-ups. <laughs> He's dragged away. So that was uh, the song playing. There's a lot of licensed songs in this episode, yeah. but uh, Patti LaBelle's New Attitude from 1984, you can play a bit of that. This is where it picks up in the show. The song is played, uh, I, I didn't actually know what it was until I looked it up because, I mean, I've heard the song before, but it, you barely hear and then there's talking mm-hmm. over it. And I, I think you don't even hear a new attitude. I feel like but, it was made for commercials. Like, it's all yeah. made to be like, you bought a new pair of shoes <laughs> or you or you went to a new store. <laughs> you ate the new like, hamburger. Yeah. 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 All of these things giving you that new attitude. There's some great 80s fashion in that music video as well. I love them laughing together at not bread. It's the perfect, <laughs> uh, it's the perfect joke Marge would appreciate because it's not offensive and it's very playful and lame so like she really likes she really digs it and i think she she kind of like is taken aback just at first like wait this isn't bread and he's like yeah. not bread you get it and the little hand motion of tying bread, a knot yeah. it's so cute i i love how much that i mean we that's something that's so on character so it's not surprising or anything i just love that that detail you get about marge right like just that she is such a mom about that in the cutest way. Like she is such an adorable character <laughs> through the throughout the entire episode. Not, she, she loves gentle humor, like the Po Buddy's Nerfic hat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's funny, just like you. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I wonder if not bread was really what sold her on it. Like this, <laughs> this guy is a way better salesman than Shelly Frank Ormond. He can, he's he's much better at it. I he's more, he's more confident. I mean, there's still some desperation there, but he's not as like like shaky as Shelly. Laughter, like yeah. Jack Lemon's laughter here though there is a deleted joke there which you can see the remnants of in it so when she you first see frank ormond there's a pitcher of water right there that is distracting you're like well what's why would they draw a pitcher of water in there for no reason then he holds up the pretzel they cut a scene where the pretzel in his hand falls apart and falls into the water pitcher Uh, and then he pulls out another one but if you look for real quick you'll see the broken pretzel in the water it's there long enough to distract you and wonder what's happening i was distracted watching it yeah i was like like, why is there pretzel in the water i would have just kept the joke because otherwise like what like what's even happening Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, I guess we'll get to it. I don't know if the animation was bad or if it just didn't like the lead flow. Well. I mean, it might not have fallen apart correctly. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. true. And uh, 
And when Marge sees the big celebration, she invests all her $500, which is a lot of money for the, well, Homer at this point can pull $1,000 out of his wallet and just pay for something. But <laughs> that's still 500 bucks, a lot of money on the, their one household well, income. Well, I mean, it is the money she already invested. So technically, I guess she'd never really got it back. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they gave her back her $500 right, investment. Right. So that was just her re-upping on that. But I do, the, the line I was alluding to at the beginning of the show, I love so much is when he's like, he's like finishing his cell and he's like whenever blah 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 you'll be there and yeah. he says whenever nacho penetration is less than total less than total and I have always loved the way that was phrased <laughs> and I just Ooh. think of it as just a beautiful way to put words together yeah nachos are better than pretzels I have to say <laughs> I don't know Henry do you have that speech when can I start what's my territory your territory well, well, let me tell you wherever a young mother is ignorant of what to feed her baby you'll be there Wherever nacho penetration is less than total, you'll be there. Wherever a Bavarian is not quite full, you will be there. Don't forget fat people. They can't stop eating. Hey, pretzels. Thank you. In case you didn't know, uh, this is one of my favorite books of all time, and it's a real basic <laughs> B of a book choice. But uh, uh, The Grapes of Wrath, this is taken from The Grapes of Wrath, uh, uh, the book and the movie. And I have a clip from that. Uh, it's the uh, Tom Jode saying, I'll be there. I believe it's the end of the movie. The end of the book is way darker than the end of the movie, but um, read what? it. <laughs> it's, it's a great work of socialist literature, and it's everywhere. still super relevant today. Wherever there's a fight so hungry people can eat, I'll be there. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there. I'll be in the way guys yell when they're mad. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, though. Oh, yes. crying. <laughs> it's great. I mean, the movie uh, it ends with the government sort of saving the family because it was made, I think, during the war or maybe shortly after the war. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, 41, 42, Something like that. In the book, uh, spoilers for a book from 1933 or something like that, uh, <laughs> the Jodes just get screwed. I mean, it's about how capitalism screws working people the entire book. They get fucked well, eight ways yeah. on Sunday. At the end of the book, it's just like, I guess we'll hole up in this abandoned barn and our daughter will, br- will breastfeed this drifter because there's no food. Food. And that's the last scene in the book. It's just like they're screwed Oof. forever. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah. Oh my it's, it's god! It's really dark. It's really dark. It's but, a little um, better to end on a Henry Fonda speech. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. It, it was sort of like this is what's happening to working people, and we need to stop it. That's why. I mean, it's the point of and almost stopped, all of Steinbeck's yeah. literature. Yeah. yeah. But um. Well, I yeah. Mean, still relevant today. Stuff like <laughs> I mean, the popularity of books like the Grapes of Wrath did you know popularize New Deal type policies as well to try and fix yeah. these things though that was like people are know. still mad about the new deal that's hilarious i know and that was like that's the compromise version of democratic yeah. socialism is the new deal yeah. which let's talk a, you should join your local dsa chapter folks yes. but anyway <laughs> no i i had we seen, have the biggest one over here <laughs> yeah we do i uh i hadn't seen this movie for i've never read the book i i have read a couple of john steinbeck's but not this one it just seemed too daunting uh, it's, it's i'm big. in a similar boat yeah i but, mean um i read it in grad school and and it was like a sign to me, but I really, really liked 
liked it. It's mm-hmm. super long though. But I, I love the movie. I hadn't seen the movie for the longest time when I saw it. Actually, it was in a double feature that Bob couldn't make. He was out of town for something. That's true. It was Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane yeah. and then Grapes of Wrath. And the Grapes of Wrath, like seeing it on the big screen was amazing. I forget that like the mom is the star of that movie. Oh, like yeah. she's just her speech about how they need people like us. Like we're the soul of this country, not money or banks or any of these people. And just it's, how yeah, it's a gorgeous movie. Uh, it has the same cinematographer as Citizen Kane, so it's really ah, beautiful. It's a yeah, good double feature. I really want to interject that I cannot hear the phrase Citizen Kane without hearing. Wait a minute. There was no Kane in Citizen Kane. Actually. <laughs> you know what? I think Joseph Cotton's character has a Kane, the old man. But, might, but there is no famous Kane, but yeah. I, I do love that there joke. There was no Kane. I must be, I mean, we are, we are on Talking Simpsons. I must be a pedant about this. So. But I still like it. I still like it. Uh, well, you know what? When we get to that episode of The Simpsons, I'm going to rewatch Citizen Kane, maybe double speed, just to uh, keep an eye out for the Canes. And then I, I also go to Citizen Krang, so it's yeah. like that. Have a, like a twofer there. Like I said, my pop culture references are all embroiled in The Simpsons. Well, everything is parodied it, so I think of the parodies first, especially yeah. the parodies on The Simpsons. Yes. I figured with your job, it was going to be that you've had to hear so many times the Citizen Kane of video games a million times. Like, uh, I don't think anyone would ever dare to say that I, phrase to me. I, I think she <laughs> thankfully missed that era. I know. I uh, As an editor, you would delete that immediately. I would. And, yeah. I would cut that and say nothing about it i wouldn't even say cut for flow i would just cut it and then you would cut them from your yeah then i'd be like you know what actually i'm gonna give you a kill feed uh, <laughs> it's funny that jack lemon they asked jack lemon to do a henry fonda speech in this it's kind of like it's an odd choice i mean it fits it feels like he if they made a grapes of wrath say in the 70s he would have been in the henry fonda role hmm. as the spirit of america the innocent spirit of america being trampled by business interests. So when we come back from break, Marge is ready to learn how to make pretzels. Oh, hello, I'm Frank Ormond. And if you're watching me, that means you've got pretzel fever and not the kind that attacked my intestinal lining some years back. (laughs) So let's get your franchise up and running. (laughs) Start by setting up an office in your basement or garage. An automatic garage door opener makes you feel like you're working in a futuristic wonder world. Next, blanket your community with flyers. A phony ticker tape parade will help you avoid littering laws. Welcome back, space girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Now you're ready to make pretzels. Open your bag of ingredients... Ugh. Check for millipedes. Ugh. Really gross. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't do another take of it open. I think he just had one bag of ingredients and yeah. couldn't open another one. And uh, Callie was doing the Flanders, like waving as the door oh. went down. I like that Flanders is like, he's just wondering what's going on in there. And I was yeah. like, nope. Uh, I, I think it's sweet seeing Marge set up her own office. Yeah. It's really cute. And then, yeah. and whenever I, I also think of those garage door openers of like, I'm in a futuristic wonderland. <laughs> yeah. There's a very cute moment when um, Marge starts to tape in which Frank 
turns on the camera, runs to his desk, shuffles through papers, and looks up. Like, like it's oh Theo, I didn't see you there, but he's also the cameraman, so... <laughs> and he couldn't, and edit, he couldn't it. edit it. Yeah. for whatever reason. <laughs> it's, it's a very nice touch, I think, that I just sort of thought about this time as a joke. It's like, oh, that was a joke. Okay, yeah. I like it. It's cute. And the uh, the Wiggum's pure love of Space Girl. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Space Girl. <laughs> he just calls her Space Girl. He doesn't realize she's not... Like, what does he think she is? But just... That Homer rented... Uh, it's a beautiful like old like Oldsmobile or something or yeah. Cadillac or something. I don't know what it is. It's probably like a real car. Somebody I, would know. I I love the implication that they were like, all right, we need a phony ticker tape parade. What's the easiest way to do this? Lisa's space girl. <laughs> with, uh, with like a 1950s toy space helmet <laughs> Yeah, on. and like this like classic car. <laughs> Anytime I open up anything like a packet of flour or flour type cooking things, I'm always like, well, I better watch out for millipedes. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that generally anyway, but... <laughs> Again, Jack Lemon's acting on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, let's get started. <laughs> uh, I think, and that's kind of the end of it for Jack Lemon in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, his character <laughs> dies. It's very final. <laughs> Never coming back. I like to assume Frank Ormond is, in my head canon, the father of Gil that he, mm. in, in universe. But uh, who knows? Maybe I like. I that, mean, though. Gil's mm-hmm. name isn't Gil Ormond. I think it's like Gil Gunderson. Gilston. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's later season stuff. I don't take that. In our, in our first live show, uh, it was about the most pathetic man in Springfield, and we left Gil out because he <laughs> would win instantly. So. Well, that's Mole Man, isn't it? Oh, Mole Man. It was, it was Barney, Moe, and Skinner, right? Those My are the three choices. Mo, uh, Mo won, I think, in the voting that night. Yeah. Uh, from the audience I could support applause. that. My Just my instinct says Mole Man. <laughs> Mole Man, I think he'd be off the table, too, as an easy win. So yeah, We yeah. wanted to make it hard for the audience. <laughs> to be honest, I was, I was helped with Moe winning because I had Dana Gould there saying, when I wrote for the Simpsons, I thought Mo was the most pathetic. I was like, well, awesome. And uh, <laughs> Teacher's Pet wins. I, know, I didn't know. You know I picked Mo before he came there. I didn't, I didn't know that was before it was his favorite character. But uh, So it looks like they're all ready. They made their pretzels. And I gotta say, until Fleeta Pita arrives... They have a really good strategy there. Yeah. God, it's so cute. Homer being like, "What's that outside?" You <laughs> know, like what the movie stars are talking about. Yeah, yeah. God, it is so adorable. I he's love it. He's so supportive, and he's committing to a plan. He also helped with measuring the pretzels and gave him the thumbs up. I know. I just, I don't know. I like I said at the beginning. I love the episodes where Homer is is putting, and despite his stupidity, is still being a supportive husband and father. I think jerk-ass Homer would have just eaten all of her pretzels. Yeah. You yeah. don't even do a joke that, oh, I can't sell any pretzels today. Homer ate all of them. Like, that's the easy joke, and they don't go for that. The only yeah. Homer eating pretzel jokes is the act break for act one, where she's like, what about fat people? They can't stop <laughs> eating. And then Homer comes over and eats the pretzel. But yeah. he does not interfere with the pretzel uh, <laughs> process in the home. Well, he's also, yeah. in the ticking clock bit, at the end of act three, he is eating a pretzel as they're watching the clock. But so. it's stress eating. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, there's never... A, a bit where like he's screwed it up by eating them right, which right. C- could easily have been a That's joke a lot of self-control from the writing team this also <laughs> reminded me of Homer's strategy it reminded me of when I was in school I don't know if you guys had to sell candy yep. or yeah. uh, magazines mean, yeah I, I went to Catholic school we were paying tuition why do I need to raise more money <laughs> but uh, it always pissed me off because like oh the, here, the, here are the super sellers for this month and they're always people whose families like own businesses mm. they just put the candy out and people buy it it's like I gotta go door to door to sell this crap that nobody yeah. wants and I had social anxiety, so I had to yeah. go with the magazine sheet and be like, do you 
you want magazines? <laughs> and they'd be like taking pity on me and I'd sell uh, two magazines. It was I, the worst. See, that's how the rich get richer. Those people that own businesses, they sell the most candy. No. And they can afford treatment for their social anxiety. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I people feel sorry for me and buy magazines. You guys are going to hate me then because I Oh, I Henry, sell, you I, bastard. I had to sell, I like, I am... I'm slightly upper middle class, but my my mom worked at a law firm as a secretary there, and so the few times I had to sell stuff like band candy, she just took it to the and office. He was and riding sold his free bike like, around yeah. the poor children. I didn't get I <laughs> didn't get anything <laughs> for it. I just sold oh, enough. Okay. I didn't win. I didn't win things. That's better because the kids that whose families owned like uh, businesses and dealerships, they would get like bikes and mm-hmm. Nintendos. Or like, God damn it, I. Yeah. I have, I have no edge in this. No, yeah. I never hit that. Though that shit should be illegal, though. Like at, uh, I think back now to when I was in like fourth grade or something. I didn't participate in this, but it was one of those magazine selling things, and that you get to spend a whole like hour of school watching somebody say like, and here's his bike or do you want a Super Nintendo? We're giving that away too. If you it's want, it's not sell child it. labor because we say it isn't. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's so wrong. Yeah. I, it's weird. I do now in my life appreciate the parents who bring Girl Scout cookie orders like that, yes. to the office. It's, it's a good organization, I think. But I think it is just an extension of my social anxieties because that is another fewer person I have to talk to. <laughs> yeah, well, I like in those, you don't have to talk to them as much in, when I would sign up for them because there would just be a sheet of paper in the break room. I was like, okay. I want two of those and just bring them to my desk and I don't have to talk to them. I am, I'm not a fan of Girl Scout cookies, guys. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Wow. Not even Thin Mints? I, um, nope. Don't wow. like them. Not, a, not even a cold bunch of Thin Mints on a hot Christmas morning? I say break free of your programming, people. <laughs> Jump out of the Matrix. There are better cookies that you don't have to wait for. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, Girl Scout seems like a good organization. Like, they... Before the Boy Scouts, they were accepting of trans kids in the in the group too. That was sweet. Yeah. So, uh, but hey, but yes, Homer Homer selling the pretzels at the plant is pretty cute. Hey, what's all that commotion outside? <laughs> Why, it's one of those pretzel wagons the movie stars are always talking about. <gasps> Here at our plant. <laughs> That's right, Lenny. Let's all give in to deliciousness. The pretzel wagon way. Hey. Oh, yeah. That's pretzel wagon. Oh, May I take your order? Uh, let's see. I'll have one. uh, (laughs) Hey, hurry up. I want to get my pretzel. One pretzel. Thank you. Uh, Let's see. Um, I will have one of your... uh... Come on, come on, while we're young. Wow, check out that fan. It looks like it doesn't even need our business. Hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's take a look at it. Excuse me. I had this spot first. Oh, sorry, dear. Just business. <laughs> well, I guess Macy's and Gimbel's learned to live side by side. Gimbel's is gone, Marge. Long gone. You're Gimbel's. <laughs> Very well. God, I love how mean she is. I love that you're Gimbals. It was clear. It was clear she was Gimbals. We had to point it out. I there's like three of my favorite lines here, but like the 
your gimbals is how I, that's how I operate with metaphor in person too. Just like, has this metaphor been obvious enough? I better just say like, you're that. You're this thing. Uh, So RIP gimbals, uh, don't play the death jingle, but they died in 1987. They were open for a hundred years, this department store chain. And they were competitors with Macy, I guess. Macy's. I didn't realize they were open that long like in into the 80s yeah in yeah. my mind gimbals i never like, died one. in the 40s with <laughs> miracle on 34th street oh so that was a, a gimbal gimbals associated movie gimbals is in the mo- they mentioned gimbals, gimbals. Is the competitor it's uh, sad okay. in macy's like they the movie is about macy's but they talk about gimbals mm-hmm. they, and they send gimbals. they send customers to gimbals interesting okay yeah. wow that's the yeah. last time it was relevant <laughs> yeah so Ever. i in my mind gimbals stopped being a thing probably like oh five years after that movie was made i didn't realize they like lasted into the 80s one of my favorite things in miracle 44th street is when the owner of macy's is on the stand and he's asked if you believe in santa claus and he's just imagining customers not (laughs) wanting to come to his store because he says santa claus is crazy (laughs) um so is this before or after mountain of madness we're recording these out of order by the way mountain of madness is next episode there so we see the growing animosity between lenny and carl here in this one it's a preview of mountain of madness we already recorded that by the way but uh i'm just curious and also I was reading reviews of these episodes. I, I read like the AV Club review of the episode before we do, and I like read other reviews. Someone pointed out that um, the both the red, white, and blue Peta truck and the Fleetwood Mac song uh, could be a reference to the Clintons '92 campaign, the same thing, yeah. in oh. which they use Fleetwood Mac's uh, "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow," whatever the actual song is called. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it could be a stretch. I don't know. The red, white, and blue stuff read to me more as them trying to Americanize Peta as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But the Fleetwood Mac thing could be a reference to the Clintons' tour bus and tour song. Well, they song. played it so much, yeah. like it was. It, if you live through the '92 election. You think of it all the time. Like it was because that was like the first rock and roll, as lame as it was, like dad rock, really. (laughs) But if you compare it to when you're campaigning against H.W. Bush, like Fleetwood Mac is, may as well just be like gangster rap compared to H.W. Bush. Uh, He was not even on board with uh, Rock Around the Clock. (laughs) (laughs) That's more of a sad I think we should all sit around the clock and talk about uh, sports, baseball. Not my forte. (laughs) Church. More of a weekend thing. <laughs> I love the I love how Carl says I want to get my pretzel. That tells Lenny that he <laughs> wants to order a pretzel, and then once he leaves, Carl forgets he wants to order. A pretzel. I will have, uh... <laughs> which is the only thing they sell a pretzel that is one dollar. That's it. That's all they sell. I'm getting hungry for pretzels over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I love the animation, the snappiness of the animation when Edna says nothing personal, ha, and then turns back around. And uh, it's real God. fast. Edna's so great. And- I- uh, the one dollar price, just a sidebar, really made me think about the economics of the pretzel business and like how much they're spending on gas and ingredients versus how yeah. much they're getting back. And I got really stressed about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, mm, so a dollar yeah. in nineteen eighty seven is like thirty four dollars today. I'm guessing, <laughs> yeah, but probably. still, how many in, how many pretzels come out of that bag of ingredients? Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, how many can you make in a, a normal oven, a normal household oven? Yeah, at like once? the time invested versus yeah. like the cost of that bag of ingredients if they. They don't have bugs in them. And you have and to then, fold all the dough in a special way. Yeah. yeah. And like all the whole family's helping. And then you have to pay for the gas to 
to get places. And then the, the coupons with Cletus, which also has one of my favorite jokes. In this. There's a lot of overhead in the <laughs> we'll pretzel business. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I got really stressed out thinking about that. When I saw the $1, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like even then in 97, an Aunt Annie's pretzel was costing you $3. I need at least five bucks to go to Hot Sam's and get like a, a bucket of the cheese with the little pretzel bites like as a teenager. <laughs> so yeah, $1 is a steal yeah. for these pretzels. Yeah, yeah. So a 1997 dollar is today a dollar fifty seven. I think inflation. it's more. But uh, <laughs> hey, who are you it's to San argue? San Francisco money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Bob, who are you to argue with in twenty thirteen dollars dot com? Boy, <laughs> uh, they have the they have the URL, so I guess uh, they win. <laughs> they must be right. Uh, yeah, Homer's right. That's another of my favorite things. Just Homer. It's just uh, like it's a Dan Castle and ad lib. Yeah, that, like, I, hey, Homer's right. I yeah. mean, a lot of a lot of the ad libs make it into the show. So these, I mean, he's a talented uh, improviser. That's why he was hired for Tracy Ullman. So he's good at doing on the fly stuff that they end up keeping. Uh, just yeah, that he's he's. They are such gullible rubes. Like Lenny is already <laughs> believes that there are pretzel wagons that the movie stars are buying from. plants. <laughs> and then when Homer just says, "Yeah, Homer's right," it only makes them more excited. Him agreeing with himself. Even Mr. Burns is there. He even got sold on. Yeah. Even, like you would think, Mr. Burns wouldn't spend a dollar on, on a pretzel to bread. Yeah, pretzel bread. <laughs> That's right. He learned about pretzel bread last season. <laughs> he's he's grown a lot since last season. <laughs> <laughs> then we had uh, yes. Well, let's hear from Cletus. Yeah. As well. Hey, slow down! I want to talk to you. Give us three hundred pretzels. You see, a little persistence and patience pay off. That'll be three hundred dollars. Hey, I don't think so. <laughs> I got me three hundred coupons. <laughs> I should have said limit, one per customer. Should have butt dinner, so hand them over. <laughs> hey, kids, we're eating dinner tonight. Come on, Tiffany, Heather, Cody, Dylan, Dermot, Jordan, Taylor, Brittany, Wesley, Rumor, Scout, Cassidy, Zoe, Chloe, Max, Hunter, Kendall, Caitlin, Noah, Sasha, Morgan, Kira, Ian, Lauren, Qbert, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's satisfied, uh, like, I made all those. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, so they had to design, like, I, I, how many children are there? There's got to be over 20 children, right? Yeah, or at least 20. For some reason, I've always thought that he says one of the names twice, and listening to it again, he does not. He says Zoe and Chloe instead of Zoe and Chloe, I think. Yeah. Zoe, uh, for some reason, in my mind, he's said Taylor twice, and I don't know why that's in my brain. <laughs> there's that a way, lot of names. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of kids. I was going to count the kids while watching, I'm like, there are too many to yeah. count. And I like confident Cletus. We don't see very often. I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. Should have but didn't. He's finally got one over on these city slickers. Uh, yeah, uh, I, he's triumphant. But man, that's a that's a. We're, we're eating dinner tonight. Not we're eating well tonight. Yeah, they're eating each, dinner. Yeah, they, and they're. I guess they're each going to eat like ten pretzels a piece. That's dinner. Yeah. The uh, if you have one of those '90s kids' names, let us know. I yeah. I Max is in there. That was my nickname as a kid because I didn't like going by him. Well, uh, I'm Henry the... Long-time listeners have heard this story before, but I'm Henry the Third, 
And I didn't like going by that in school. So my parents just went by the name they would have called me if I didn't get an inherited name, which is Max. So I, I am one of the Cletus kids in there. Wow. I, I'm a Bob, so I don't fit anywhere. Uh, it's an old-timey uh, name. There are too many Caitlins. I'll say it here. <laughs> I've met too many Caitlins in this world. If you're a Caitlin, I'm sorry. But uh, Rumor and Scout, those are Bruce Willis and Demi Moore's kids. So mm-hmm. the, the trendiest <sighs> names. Uh, we did not reach the names like Apple yet. Yes. Um, be, that would be a joke on this if Apple had, had been born. Yeah. Or, you know, if- or Paris or whatever. <laughs> Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. If I was Marge, I would have just floored it and been like, screw this. Yeah. I don't owe you. You're hillbillies in the woods. Mar- she's so pure. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah, she, she feels like she needs it. to honor those coupons. Yeah, she's going to honor the coupons because it was her mistake for not printing one per customer on them. She, she owes it to them. Oh, it's so <laughs> sad. But saddest of all, this, uh, speaking of fine print, the joke about reading the copyright on an old poster, I love that joke because I would stare at copyrights too on things like, oh, when did this come out? And mm-hmm. it would drive me crazy when they would have the Roman numerals to try to disguise what year something yeah. came out. Yeah. And I mean, when I was younger, it'd be fascinating. Like, I was, I was, that was like five years before I was born, or that yeah. was 10 years before I was born. <laughs> yeah. I was always really obsessed with stuff like that, figuring out, like, if I was reading a book, I would always check the copyright, even if, it first printing when? when ma- was first yeah, printing? you know, like I, I was really into that. And so it's in relatable. The, in the pre-Wikipedia world where now you just know anytime something came out. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But it, I think of this line whenever someone posts the old clip from a movie with a cat or a dog in it. It's like, talented yeah. or not, that lo- that dog or cat is long dead. Yeah. <laughs> I think about that constantly. Yeah. Or when you watch Frasier. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Got, yeah. Yeah. Eddie the dog. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's having fun up in heaven now. I think yep. he recently passed away. Yeah, it was pretty recent yeah. because... Uh, he went to the same dog park that my dog went to. Really? Yeah. Wow! Celebrity, Ce- celebrity dog park. Yeah, my 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 dog has a famous friend. So. Wow! <laughs> what was the dog's real name? It was Eddie. Was the name on the show? I. Oh, I don't remember. I should ask my dog. I'll text her. <laughs> well, Moose. Moose the dog. That was his name. And yeah. Wow. I just saw a headline that says, Kelsey Grammer reveals dark secrets about Frasier's Eddie the dog. Jeez. Yeah. You got to you gotta talk to your dog. <laughs> Frasier has, I mean, Kelsey Grammer knows dark secrets. Actually, so. the dog died in 2006. Dogs don't live 25 years. But... Okay. Still that's, a recent. That's a long yeah. life for, for a little doggy like him. 15 years old. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't love Fleet Pita so much, this is my line of the episode. The, yeah. This free pretzel day at the baseball park. A winner has been chosen for today's giveaway. And the 1997 Pontiac Astro Wagon goes to the fan sitting in seat number 0001C Montgomery Bay. And the fans do not like this one bit. <laughs> and here come the pretzels. <laughs> You're supposed to be tasting them. Hall of Famer Whitey Ford now on the field, pleading with the crowd for for some kind of sanity. Oh, and a barrage of pretzels now knocking Whitey unconscious. Wow, this is uh, this is a black day for baseball. Oh, cheer up, Mom. You can't buy publicity like that. Thousands and thousands of people saw your pretzels injuring Whitey Ford. You could call them Whitey Whackers. Mm-hmm. 
That whole scene is so good. Oh, There's so yeah. much going oh. on there. Uh, boy, but Hank Azaria and Harry Sherrill. Hank Azaria does that in that show Brockmire, right? He uses that baseball announcer oh, yeah, voice. Yeah. But I love uh, just the inevitability and here come the, the pretzels. pretzels. <laughs> I think of that whenever I say something on a podcast. I'm like, that's getting comments. <laughs> or whenever I post a podcast that I know people, it'll be polarizing. I think here come the pretzels. Yep. <laughs> here coming. come yeah. the pretzels. And the way this Burns is a black waves, day for baseball. The way Burns waves from that Astro Wagon. It's really oh great. He's God. driving. Uh, he he learned to drive in Homer the Smithers. Yes. Remember, yeah. I am a motorist. <laughs> um, God, that, yeah, oh, I feel the so. Well, yes. well, you talk about feeling anxiety for Marge. Like you think of how much money must have been spent on this free pretzel day. Yeah, and just all lost. Like everyone to give a baseball stadium, even a minor league baseball stadium. All a pretzel? That's thousands of pretzels. And then she probably had to pay the isotopes to get to have there. And I love that Burns has seat number one. Yeah. Yeah. And the the Pontiac Astro Wagon was a new car, but it was supposed to be like sort of a crummy, practical new car. (laughs) I mean, it's even, I mean, it's, you would not want to drive one of those now, but it's sort of like a family utility yeah. vehicle if you have like soccer kids or whatever. And like, of course, he still has to win it. Yeah, like, yeah. and take it, not say drive like, it oh, off I'll the give field. it to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's for me. And Yay. The, no, and, and Whitey Ford, real guy, still with us at eighty nine, a lifetime Yankee. He's won five World Series in nineteen sixty one. He won the Cy Young Award and the World Series MVP, which is a rare occurrence in <laughs> baseball. I, I just love the line. Pleading with the crowd for some kind of sanity. <laughs> and then the cut to him just falling over. You don't see yeah. him get hit in the head. It's just I, I, I cut think, like, back. Uh, in the commentary, they're like, we don't understand how we could animate a man being knocked out by pretzels. So the jump cut to him just on the ground. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I love your mind, that cut. I agree. Your mind really just puts it together like what happened. Because it's like, it would be impossible to really animate that. But just the, the, the unconscious body with pretzels being hurled at it is great. Uh, and, and Whitey Ford is a beloved legend uh, in baseball like you wouldn't throw stuff at him especially and that he's an old man he was 68 or 69 when this episode came out and so you wouldn't you wouldn't throw things at him though i've heard the here comes the fretzels and how you're the whitey four from uh uh, friends of mine, longtime listeners could probably guess who, but friends of mine worked at a big video game publisher. They would have to break news that was not their choice. They would have to be the bearer of bad news and get a bunch of angry comments from people for a thing they didn't want to do. <laughs> and they would get, here come the pretzels. And it's like, well, I guess I'm Whitey Ford today. <laughs> like, I have to take the, I have to get the Whitey whacking on <laughs> The <here>. Whitey whacking. <laughs> uh, I guess it's presumed whacking. that Whitey Ford died in this universe. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a black day for baseball. <laughs> uh, God so damn good. it. Uh, I so love- Marge is, is uh, really depressed. The butter yes. is under her face. Oh, uh, she slumps over at the dinner table. It's heartbreaking. And the butter's drawn on the table. So at first, I thought that joke was like an ADR edition where they thought, well, we need her to say one more line, but the butter's right there on the table. I think it was planned yeah. uh, early. In this and her point. line is not played as a joke. Like, aim so low, no one will care if you succeed. It's sort of like Homer's uh, The Point of Trying. You you tried and you failed. The point is never try. Yes. That was a joke, but hers, hers is just like, I never tried anything. You'll only fail, and you know no one will ever it's, care. Uh, yeah. Like Lisa is having real emotions at telling uh, Marge, like, oh, mom, no. Yeah. Like, it's, you're just, you're, you're actually getting to feel 
feel sad and emotional, which this is kind of the emotional height of the episode because soon it'll be the mafia moves into town and it just becomes a whole <laughs> yeah. other crazy thing. Act three is a moth, like a mob movie. It's an, like another Goodfellas parody kind yeah, of. Yeah, it comes out of a very weird place coming off of this scene where you're mm. just like so sad from, I mean, I'm always sad for Marge generally just because yeah. of the, where her, what her life is. And there's many episodes where you get to see little snippets of that and then fewer where you get to explore that. But yeah, coming off of that where you're like, Lisa's devastated, Marge is devastated, and then suddenly Fat Tony is there. You <laughs> <laughs> have two mobs in this episode. Uh, well, first Homer goes to Frank Ormond's place looking for some help, I guess for a refund or something, which when he arrives, he sees... He, he sees all the lawn stuff he has and he thinks that he's rich. Like a person <laughs> who owns a bunch of lawn ornaments in a regular sized house is not necessarily a rich person. It's a nice little bit of detail that helps characterize Frank because he's not in the show a lot, but I guess he was sort of a whimsical person or an optimistic <laughs> person despite his desperate life selling pretzels. <laughs> Trying to sell pretzel franchises around America and being very happy at $500 from franchising the one. you. It is implied that like if he sold it to Marge, he, that's probably the only person person he sold a franchise to in that place i mm. would think but uh yes homer's been looking for help uh, it's like mr pretzelman is doing pretty well for himself <laughs> i'm here to see mr ormond of course right this way oh i guess i should speak to the executor of his estate he's right over there they were in the same car <laughs> you're my last hope I've never reached out to you before, but my wife is in her hour of need. Your help could make all the difference in the world. Okay. <laughs> See, boss? I told you that ad in the church bulletin would pay off. <laughs> Underrated sign gag of the church is just the word open. <laughs> it goes by so fast, but I, I love how simple and funny it is. Just the word open. <laughs> well, they only have so much time for a sign gag there. So one word does it all. Yeah. I like that. I, I, it's a funny joke that the executor of his state was in the same car. That's funny. Too. That's, a bad, that's yeah. a bad end for Frank, dying yeah. in a car accident. Yeah. Though, well, this was something, too, that always brings me down and still does when I'm seeing a movie that stars, say, a Jack Lemon type. A famous aging actor who, in character, dies in the movie. And I'm just thinking, like, this actor doesn't know how many more days they have left. Maybe they don't want to act out their death scene. I yeah. just, I feel bad in that. Sorry, I'm I, really I bringing think, things down. I here. think, like, Ron Howard's dad, that was his role for, like, the last 20 years of his life, is playing, you're the dying old man in this now. I guess maybe you're just like, well, I may as well lean into it. And yeah. uh, that's who I am now. I mean, my main takeaway from that scene is uh, they had an open casket funeral after a car accident which I find Boy, yeah. interesting yeah and, <laughs> and in his home too not at a mortuary and you but see at his house. them they don't have like really yeah. bad yeah. injuries I guess it's just the wake but I like the giant pile of pretzels <laughs> yeah. well the eat. morticians did do their job though they yeah. cleaned them up maybe they didn't look hey, so good maybe it first. was internal bleeding you, we don't know I mean, it, yeah. these are um, the things I think about <laughs> a minor car accident for a man in his 60s can could be fatal that's, like, yeah. that's fair. If we may get super morbid, yeah. I, I was first hit with the uh, dislike of seeing aging actors die movies when I saw grumpier old men and they kill off Burgess Meredith in there. Mm. I'm just like, this guy, because he was dead within a year of that movie coming out. So it just felt wrong of like, 
I get that if they figured they'd do a third grumpy old Ben movie, let's just write this guy off instead of risking that he's not going to live to film the next movie. But it's just a bummer. It's yeah. just he had like four years left. Jack Lemon. Oh, uh, Jack Lemon. Yeah, yeah. But not, not as long as it do you think. Yeah, like, uh, but anyway. I, to continue, Boy, did you live it up? I do want to continue the bummer really quickly yeah. to say that I did the math when you said when Eddie the dog died. And I feel like uh, my dog was lied to. Your dog was lied to. I don't think unless... that happened. Wow. Well, you know, there was more than one Eddie the dog well, on that's, the show. That's, I'm thinking it was a double or something because was this, this was, was probably dog. 2008. When uh, this was, yeah. It could have been a late... They, there might have been more than one Eddie on the show. Mm. Yeah. Just I think that's what it was. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because uh, about the dogs, when you see them in movies being dead and then people in movies being dead... And now we can be happy again. <laughs> but I hope you weren't lied to. Remember, I when, really hope yeah, not. I'll be yeah. really pissed off on my dog's behalf. That's embarrassing. <laughs> you, uh, you never met Moose. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Lucy. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that you know that reminds me. Remember, on Married with Children, they wrote off Buck the dog, and they just they had to, but they couldn't. They didn't directly kill the dog. It's more that he transmuted into another dog. It's true. And also, uh, to get morbid, the man who voiced Buck, uh, Simpsons writer Kevin Curran, he is dead as well. So uh, let's get out of this death pit. All right. Hey, Homer (laughs) is talking to the mafia, and we've got the return of Joe Montana as Fat Tony. Yeah. Yeah. They really wanted to bring back Fat Tony because they loved him, and they found an opportunity. Uh, They mentioned on the commentary uh, in season seven and eight, they didn't use him enough, and they really did. It's like... He's in much a poo about nothing, I think. Yeah. His big return was... then this one and then he is uh he has a few lines in homer versus the 18th amendment but there wouldn't really be a fat tony episode for a few more seasons Mm. really and yeah maybe the one uh there there's got to be one before this but the one callie mentioned the uh the one with crusty and the violin and everything that's the next one i remember but Mm. it couldn't have been that long um no homer as the bodyguard fat tony Uh, oh you're right that's like season 10 or (laughs) something yeah and then yeah the the crusty one is after that. My timeline is yeah. my timeline is so it's okay. screwed up. We should know this. <laughs> no, it's that one I believe is season twelve, and the Homer bodyguard is season ten or late nine. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I'm not looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that they put the mafia put a uh, church bulletin ad—that's pretty no, cute too. <laughs> I like that. I think that was the the best way they could have integrated that. As random as I mean, we talked about how this scene kind of comes out of nowhere, but I thought the, the integration went pretty smoothly. Yeah, I mean, visually, this only works once when you watch. But Homer is in church, and the, the pullout is to reveal he's talking to the mafia, not to God. And I wish that joke would still work on me because it is a funny joke. You think he's going to church to pray for Marge? And yeah. Then, and then it's Legs who, I guess at some point, Legs was like, but we should advertise in the church bulletin. No, no, let's not do it. And Louie insists, and now he's like, finally, like, eh, see? <laughs> a great, I love jokes like that that imply a history yes. of many things that happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, this will hurt them in the end, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but at first, things seem pretty good for Marge. Ooh, hello. Mm, no, pretzel wagons no longer. 300 pretzels? Wait, wait, let me get this down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meet Packers Union Hall, Batavia, New York. I'll send them right out. Homer, homie, wake up. Wake up, I'm back in business. I had a feeling things would work out for you, honey. <laughs> So it's very telling that she's delivering pretzels to a meat packers union in New York <laughs> with the, with the yeah. mob involvement. But it uh, Marge is like, 
doesn't question it. She's just happy. I mean, if I if my business had been doing that poorly and then get like an angel order like that, I wouldn't question it. I'd just be like, all right. I, yeah. hope, uh, I hope mafia people are listening. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, they're going to ask for all of our profits eventually. Uh, uh, we know so. that's the downside. They always the want mafia. something in return. <laughs> I know. How selfish of those that mafia. Tony. So. <laughs> I want some uh, altruistic mafia people to donate to us. <laughs> I mean, that's the plot of the Yakuza games. That's I true. was actually going to say, uh, I was rewatching it on my lunch break, and I laughed out loud because our whole office is really into Yakuza right now. We awesome. have like a really really big yeah because a contingent at the GameSpot office and I like practically screamed I was like I forgot about this <laughs> it's about time now I mean I feel like it took like I don't know buh, 10 years for that series to take off in America yeah, probably. yeah, the, yeah. the last year yeah but they went five years without bringing over a Yakuza game to America. And then the last year has had fucking four of them. <laughs> we had Kiwami yeah. Zero, Six, Kiwami Two. And they're all like a thousand hours long. And uh, I own all of them now uh, in the past two years. And, and I've finished Zero. <laughs> and next month. <laughs> I finished the, the one that's called Zero. I've, I finished yeah. one, but it's called Zero. And yeah. next month is the Fist of the North Star game made by them. I'm so. mad about that. Uh, Stop yeah. making all these games. Slow it down. It's if, the only game Sega makes now, really. As a review editor, I'm going to ensure that our lead is Omaiwamo Shinderu, but you know, <laughs> I, like I mean, it. I can't promise anything, but that's that's just the you right gotta people do will it. get it. I think, yeah, you gotta. I think so. I think I think the readers will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll know this is a real <laughs> the real the real ones the reviewed real by true anime fans. <laughs> uh, so then we get a nice little mob intimidation montage, like out of a out of a Goodfellows or the. the Godfather type stuff. It's fun. And it's weird to hear uh, like needle drop library music on The Simpsons, but this is <laughs> Sam Spence's song, The Lineman. And I have that in uh, oh. in the Slack channel. Uh, you might know it. This is the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy song from SpongeBob. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's mainly known uh, for being used in NFL reels, like highlight reels. Huh. Yeah. I'm sure it popped up in like Ren and Stimpy too. But wow, yeah. so much is coming together for me right now. <laughs> in my research, I found that this is a cover of another instrumental song called Go Man Go, but I looked that up and it doesn't sound anything like it. Huh. It just huh. yeah has a similar instrumentation. But I had no idea that was, I completely forgot that was the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy I, theme. Yeah. Seriously, and uh, now I'm hearing it, I'm like, of course it's the mm. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy theme, but I didn't associate it watching this scene, which is blowing <laughs> my mind right now. Yeah, I like I knew that I have heard it before, so I looked and I found like an old message board answering it and I was like yeah. oh my god I put it all together yeah I mean and I I have very strong opinions about Spongebob and oh. I'm just really yeah. surprised at myself that I didn't pick up on when that we do the Spongebob what a cartoon we gotta remember yeah that. definitely oh man I could rank all the first three seasons of Spongebob Ooh, I have very wow. strong opinions okay I'm excited about this <laughs> F- we're doing this uh, in, I love the intimidation of snack the snacking intimidation the the holding the Girl Scouts at gunpoint the <laughs> stepping and rubbing out the, the hot dog bun were they oh, letting oh, them man. out at the state line the Girl Scouts yes yeah. the county, county line, county line yeah. yeah though my favorite is the pizza explosion of sauce like that <laughs> slamming that, it, like, like blind taking, someone yeah, yeah taking the little pizza table out of it yes. and just crushing it yeah so I looked that up that's called a pizza saver 
And it oh. was invented in 1983. So can you believe that pizza boxes before 1983 didn't have those things in it and just the cheese got stuck to the roof? That of is it. the enemy of the Noid. But I call them I call them tiny tables. They are uh, tiny uh, tables. Yeah. I've seen tiny chairs to accompany them. Wow. Which oh. is a horrible waste of plastic. That but is. also, I mean, the real wasters of plastic are corporations. And we all know this. But yes. I do think the little chairs are, are cute to <laughs> go with adorable. the table. Wow. They are very cute. I want a whole living room set on my pizza. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, now I think pizza boxes Maybe they're just sturdier. Like I've, well, some places still use it. Like I got an extreme pizza recently and they, they had a tiny table in there, but, uh, other ones like, uh, we had Domino's not too long ago. Cause we had like a freebie at it and it was the first Domino's you'd had in like 15 years or something, <laughs> Bob, I think, but they didn't have oh, the tiny yeah. table in there. Yeah. And I mean, uh, this is going way too far into pizza, pizza lore, but I remember <laughs> like in the past pizza boxes weren't that hefty corrugated stuff in my mm. day when I was super young. It was like the flimsy cardboard. Mm-hmm. It was it was not good. You needed those tables. And speaking of pizza boxes, have you guys seen what's happened to the Papa John's boxes? They they erased them from history. Yeah, he's, yeah. Every Papa John's pizza box <laughs> used to have Papa John Schnatter on them. His signature, his picture, like a quote from him saying, "My pizza is great." If you buy them now, it is blank except for the logo of the company and that's it which is still it's his name it's yeah it's, they they still they fired him but or he resigned but yeah yeah and he's not bad um for racism alone that's just one of the reasons that's why he's bad one of many yeah he, uh, i remember famously uh like uh earlier in the decade he said like i would have to raise my pizzas a dime to give workers health insurance and i will not do that consumers nope. don't you worry the people that will make your pizzas will be sick <laughs> and they will be resentful unhappy <laughs> and unhappy which makes for better pizza that's all we wanted <laughs> yeah and no bathroom breaks <laughs> but uh, again this is another of my favorite scenes ever uh, the intimidation of seymour skinner <laughs> Sure, the children will get enough nutrition from these pretzels. Yes, I am sure. Sure as sure can be. Oh my God, what happened to your fingers? Uh, Voting accident. I believe it was a boking accident. (laughs) I have to go now. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I don't understand why they won't unload our falafel fixins. Ships impounded, ma'am. Yeah, we uh, found a couple of barnacles on the hull. That and uh, the deck was uh, wet. That's crazy. And what are those men doing under my van? Look, lady, if I was you, I would just leap into the air as I'm preparing to do. I also love Helen's like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Her indignation is yeah. so Because no one really ever calls Wiggum on his, on his bullshit most of the time. Yeah. When he's being a bad cop, taking bribes and making excuses. <laughs> and celebrating Space Girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That is a very, like, talk to your manager type voice. So Helen is right to get that one with Wiggum because this this is insane. She is being intimidated and almost murdered <laughs> by by the mafia. <laughs> the, I love I love how the laser makes a noise. It shouldn't, That's but the... it sells the joke. And I love his, I have to go now. Uh. I, I also like the implication that no one involved with the church saw the mafia's bulletin. <laughs> no, yeah. You'd think Helen, of all people, mm, might true. have been. That's true. And the fact that Lovejoy was not present in the church during this meeting. That is true. There's just yeah. a lot going on uh, in the background there. But God, that the boking accident. Boking. Like the, the 
tempo of that joke is hilarious. I believe it was a booking. He said, I believe it was. Like, he's <laughs> yeah. not even sure. <laughs> it was a bo- and, the, and the implication that Skinner's hand was broken by the mafia or cut yeah. or something. something. He's a former Green Beret, too. Remember yeah, the, uh, that's true. Lisa the Beauty Queen kicked those Disney lawyers' asses? <laughs> he has not kicked ass since that that's moment. That's true. It they, was the one moment. Yeah. It's the one time he gets, he gets uh, beaten down by everybody in life. <laughs> I, I just saw the boking accident scene used to meme, pa- powerful meme effect. It was uh, one of those great side-by-side Twitter pictures. So it was a picture of a tweet of someone saying like, well, I work in an Amazon warehouse and we're treated very well and I get to use. <laughs> and then it, the uh, picture right next to it is the laser pointed right at Skinner's <laughs> That's head. Great. That's yeah. very good. Oh my God. It's a perfect use of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wiggum, it's just accepted that like, you're not even supposed to wonder like, well, why is Wiggum working with the mafia it's like yeah wiggum will take money from anyone mm-hmm. openly yeah <laughs> it's why he'll lose his jobs later on in uh, the 18th amendment one they cut back to mo's homer is making big money like he's sliding a 50 over i love i love uh mo's reaction <laughs> that he's but he really says like your money's no good here because you always give me fake money it's another great it's a, another joke that tells like a good history of the characters like homer tries regularly to pass off fake money to buy beer with. It's like, this is real money. So you already have a cute line that you think is like Mo saying, your money's no good here, meaning your stuff's free. He's like, no, no, no. Your money's, your no, money's no good here. Your yeah. money. American currency is accepted here at Mo's. Uh, and I like too, in the, uh, another great gag in the montage scene is that Small amounts of money are what be are is being shown in Marge's hands. Like they're all one dollar bills yeah. and some quarters piling up. She's not getting rich off this. She's making hundreds of dollars, perhaps. Based on our estimate, possibly breaking even. Yeah, you know? Maybe. yeah. possibly. That is my greatest hope. <laughs> I think Marge, like she is too nice. She charging a dollar probably is like a penny of profit of something. No, she's just the best. She's so <laughs> pure. <laughs> but then we get. Uh, Fat Tony attempting to intimidate Homer. <laughs> Here you go, Homer. Thanks, Mo. Ah, Homer, you know your money's no good here. Hey, wait a minute. This is real money. <laughs> yeah, my wife is raking it in. <clears throat> Greetings, Homer. Hey, Fat Tony. <laughs> you still with the mafia? Uh... Uh, yes, uh, I am. Thank you for asking. Now, Homer, as you no doubt recall, you were done a favor by our, uh, how shall I say, mafia crime syndicate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now the time has come for you to do us a favor. You mean the mob only did me a favor to get something in return? Oh, fat Tony. I will say good day to you, sir. Okay. I will go. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I read a new, a new level of humor of you. You still in the mafia? Because it's like, oh yeah, you don't. You don't leave the mafia. Of course, yeah. Matt Tony will always be in the mafia, but you also can't leave it unless you get murdered. I and this uh, was the first time I got the implication that Fat Tony is doing what he has probably done a million times, which is intimidate somebody that, who thought, "Oh, I'm not going to see this mobster again to ask for their money back," and then he surprises you with like, "Hello, mm-hmm. get you owe me money," and he wants Homer to like freak out and it's be like, scared. Oh, Fat Tony, he's like, "Oh, Fat Tony," like Fat Tony has to reset like. 
Yes, I am. So <laughs> I like that he successfully guilts Fat Tony also. Like he's, Homer is so personally offended having not foreseen this outcome. He has, he has feelings you can hurt, I guess, despite being a murderer. I do love I will go. I he will means go. it. Ah, okay. I will go. He's so upset in that moment. I love it. It's it's the one time it's ever hit him like this is wrong to do what I'm doing, isn't it? But he it eventually hits him. His wife gets him back on track, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, then he goes the direct route. Instead of going to Homer, he goes to Marge. Is uh, there a button or a release for these keys? Oh, you have to push in as you turn. Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Who are you? We are your business partners, and as such, we are entitled to a percentage of your profits. Something in the area of 100%. What are you talking about? We suggest you have a conversation with your husband. You have 24 hours to give us our money. And to show you we're serious, you have 12 hours. (laughs) See you at 6 (laughs) a.m. Did you tell the mafia they could eliminate my competitors with savage beatings and attempted murder? In those words, yes. Uh, oh, I love. I, I like how they make him sip a beer while she asks the question. And he takes time to swallow. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's great pacing for that. Well, joke. and that obviously. The the easy joke in a sitcom would just be like, not in those words. I didn't say exactly that, but instead, Homer, Homer, yeah, he in said those, those exact yes. words: savage beatings <laughs> and attempted murder. Yeah. Homer suggested that they didn't even just do it on their own. He told them to. He did what any uh, loving husband would do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that like uh, him talking about already bloated snack hole. That's a pretty funny line. Too. I like that line <laughs> a lot. Bloated snack hole. Yeah. But the so they say on the commentary that. It's a funny gag that he changes 24 hours to 12 hours. Like that, I just, it feels like a, I say this all the time, but this feels like a Futurama E line to me, too, of like, and just so you're serious, 12 hours. Like, mm-hmm. but they also say they did it to just speed it up. They're like, we need them to get there earlier. We can't yeah. have a whole day. It's like, what are we going to do? Just show them making pretzels for an entire day? <laughs> it's like, and the episode has maybe two minutes left to kill, I yeah. think. I, yeah, yeah. They're, they're running out of time. Mm-hmm. And though Marge shouldn't say, who are you? She should remember yeah. Fat Tony was in the same loss, a criminal court trial with her son as a murderer. He was the plaintiff, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it was a civil case for Skinner's murder, but he was testifying against no, Bart. No, it was a criminal case oh, for Bart yeah. murdering okay, Skinner, yeah. and he presented himself as under Bart and that Bart ran the whole criminal right, art right. organization. So I would feel like March probably shouldn't forget that. Yeah, it's yeah. a very important moment in her son's life, being <laughs> on trial fair. for murder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in jail with Sideshow Bob in one scene. But I—that's—I'm not going to blame Marge the character. I'm going to blame the usually great at Simpsons history writers for being like for her forgetting that. Though I don't know, maybe she just didn't expect to see him again, so she didn't she didn't remember at first, <laughs> perhaps. But maybe. Uh, but that yeah. So then they get to making the pretzels. They got like. And they just have a lot of very like tense kind of like Sergio Leone style scenes like, of making it's, pretzels. It's weird to see a Simpson character sweat, but there's like realistic sweat drop going down Marge's yeah. neck. It's so weird. When that yeah. happened, I was like, that's something I have not really seen in the show. I'm glad we don't really see sweaty Simpsons characters. I, I am too. It doesn't happen yeah. that often, but it's like a blue sweat drop. It's not like a mm. like the drawing of a sweat drop or something. It's, it's like halfway between 
a real sweat drop and like an anime exaggerated yeah. sweat drop. When you could just like break off. And yeah, it's I don't, it's a weird it's in a weird spot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but they find so many dramatic ways to draw them making pretzels, like all the different angles around the. It kind of it's so many angles. It kind of reminds me of like the joke of having too many crazy angles, like from Chuck Jones cartoons. Mm. Kind of it, it it reminds me of those. And when the mobsters show up, I love the sort of looking up shot of them they look grotesque like their yeah. eyes are wall-eyed they just look like monsters but it's perfect for you know them being intimidating mm-hmm. yes the mafia arrives je- a little late <laughs> i had that dream again oh thank god it's only grandpa <laughs> now what <gasps> sorry we're late could we have the money now the answer is no I'm afraid I must insist. You see, my wife, she has been most vocal on the subject of the pretzel monies. Where's the money? When are you going to get the money? Why aren't you getting the money now? And so on. So please, the money. You heard her. She said no. Legs, Louis, advance on them. Marge Simpson and her gangland cronies. Your goon squad certainly gave you the edge in the mobile snack business. But I'm afraid we've outdone you once again. Hiroshi? Yukio? Perhaps you've heard of the Yakuza? The poison fists of the Pacific Rim? The Japanese mafia? They'll kill you five times before you hit the ground. Another great Agnes line. They're really fun with that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think Callie and possibly Henry might have strong opinions about this, but I don't find myself to be a pedant about language. I try not to be. Uh, I have too much education in that respect. But I hate when people say Yakuza. Yes. <laughs> it bothers me, and I don't know why, but it's the same way, like, um, I mean, it just it's just the way Americans talk. And if they say a Japanese word, uh, they will ac- accentuate certain syllables in a certain way, mm-hmm. like uh, Naruto or Kojima. I mean, I but still Yakuza. have. Yeah, I still have that al- with some words that I can't let it's go the of. The second, the second vowel or the second syllable yeah. is the one that gets emphasized in at least American speech. But when I say like the creator of Metal Gear, when I say Kojima on a podcast, people are like, "Why are you saying it like that?" Yeah. It's like that's how you say his name. I yeah, I don't. <laughs> but it's, like more, to be, it's more like Yaksa, right? Yaksa. Yeah. I don't like to be pedantic about language or anything uh, because I do think that being prescriptivist about language is I agree. an outdated uh, thing to do. And I, I feel very strongly about this as an editor also. Like my editing style is kind of like, do you feel a comma in your heart? I know maybe there shouldn't be a comma there, but I can I can see why you want it there. Like I, 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 yeah. I don't like to be prescriptivist about it, but it is one of the, it's the overemphasized vowels that, it's like a grading sound to me, I think is the reason it bothers yeah. me. The Naruto, Yakuza, um, sound is just very harsh to me. Which is why I thought she said it like that, and I was surprised that she pronounced it correctly. I was too. I yeah. was expecting her to say Yakuza because that, I don't, why would she know to say Yakuza? But uh, yeah, I was really, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And these are, I mean, these are actually Japanese names, she says, so Hiroshi, good job doing Yukio, your uh, yeah. research. Yeah. No, I, for the longest time too, I mean, I was one of those people too who said like Asuka, even though in oh, the uh, I'm, I'm guilty Asuka, of all this like, until like semi-recently. Dude, I said yeah. manga for a real yeah. long time. 
Yeah, um, I, I didn't learn it was manga and uh, manga. I said manga until... I think Canadians say manga, and I'm not going to point out who this is, but somebody I know that's Canadian says manga, <laughs> and I'm, I'm okay with it. But, uh, well, I learned All is it, forgiven. I learned it from Wizard Magazine that said it's manga like conga. Mm. Like that's, but huh. though, well, I'll tell you what bugs me. I am not, I am not fluent in Japanese. I know tiny amount of Japanese don't know that much and but what bugs me when I hear people mispronounce it it's not not when it comes from a place of ignorance but when somebody mispronounces it in a way that it sounds like they think they're saying it the right way mm. like with a snobbishness to it of like uh, that that bugs me more, I think. Yeah. By the way, we're all like huge weebs at this table. Yes. Uh, I think you should know that by now, but in case you don't, yes, uh, we are. Please. <laughs> yes, and I, I um, study Japanese. I studied in college and I self-study now and I've been focusing more on reading, but rather than speaking and listening. But anyway, what I was going to say was, um, yeah, the, the other awkward thing about when you do know how something is pronounced is not over-pronouncing it because you don't want to sound like that douchebag, especially when you're reading. Like if I'm reading like a script or something for an, a video and I have to if I'm going to be like this actually happened it was a name of a place in Japan it was Yokosuka but a friend a co-worker of mine was like how should I pronounce this and I was like I think if you say Yokosuka you should be fine mm-hmm. because Yokosuka like it would be like, and the Pokemon Go event is taking place in Yokosuka. You know, like it's just it's, like a you're lapsing into a different kind of accent in the middle weird. of your speech. My, yeah. When I was in high school, like my friends and I had a joke about the people who would do that in our Spanish class. We'd be like, "Hi, my name's Rachel. I'm from Uruguay." You know, like like it's that, that same kind of tone. <laughs> so I think she like hits the right balance here between like Yakuza and Yakuza, and she kind of says it a little bit in between it's those like, two. Yakuza. Yeah, she like it's like. I, I think they hit the right balance. Yeah. I was very impressed. Someone told her phonetically how to say it because I didn't know. I mean, I was sort of at this point in my life starting to get into anime and uh, like hardcore, but I don't think I knew about the Yakuza until <laughs> um, maybe a few years later. Actually, uh, this episode introduced me to them, but I wasn't sure if that was a real thing until later, until yeah. like movies. Yeah, I don't think I had heard of the Japanese mafia until this time either. Uh, maybe in the late 90s, like 97, around the same time as this episode, I was really getting into Hong Kong action movies, <laughs> which have a ton of like the Chinese mafia, the triads in them. But I don't think think it's rarely in the in the ones I watch whether there are any yaksa in there and so I wonder if this was the first time I saw it too but it was uh, that's what always surprises me in the um, when I played Yakuza 6 they subtitle it as triad but they call like don't they call like uh, Chikoku no Mafia like in Japanese which I didn't know that's what they called Chinese Mafia in Japanese they just say oh, Chikoku no Mafia okay. yeah they just literally say Chinese, Chinese Mafia, mafia. Yeah. yeah yeah those games are great by the way wildly unrealistic portrayal of the Yakuza and that they are forces of good and the <laughs> last bastions of manliness and they're out to help you and do quests for you. <laughs> they start uh, literal orphanages to yeah. help children. And they hate guns. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where it just goes to wacky town in this episode. And it it is fun action, though it's not a fair fight of three mafia guys versus five uh, Yakuza Well, guys. the fleet of PETA people fight dirty. We've seen throughout That's this entire true. episode. Yeah. We do see cool action, but I like how we are denied a fight and so home, so is Homer. Like the yeah. audience and Homer both want to see more fighting. Yeah. We do see some really cool stuff, like really well choreographed fighting moves mm. in the in the few scenes that we see of the fighting, especially like a cool like overhead shot of people yeah. rushing Fat Tony. <laughs> but yeah, I love. I'm, I'm on board with Homer's disappointments. I know the the little guy hasn't done anything yet, <laughs> and I just I don't know the this is the scene that I think is also. I mean, we talk we've talked about how it is just a weird ending. I do think that it's good that it comes full circle with the fleet of Peter people. 
But yeah. I there's a part of me that's like, I can't tell if this is racially insensitive. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will but say, you have yeah. the Italian mob that balances it out a little bit. I'm not the person to speak on that It would that be anyway. better without uh, the guy speaking at the end. A very, that's the one that's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. like that guy. We'll hear him in a sec. Yeah. yeah. Kind of says, kind of says please. But um, yeah, outside of that, I think, I think it's fun. I think it's fun. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of what I was getting at is that's the scene where I was like, ooh, like, but. The, I think like the humor for me comes to the fact that like Maude knows about the Yakuza <laughs> yeah. and like Agnes <laughs> is explaining who they are. They, they had, they had access to them and they know a lot about them. Them and they're like they're an asset like these completely off screen after the last time they got their yeah. thing blown up they're like well then we're gonna get our own mafia too yeah a better mafia yeah. more, more organized mafia but yeah I, I i just love the i just love the uh the introduction of them and yeah. uh, they're all like cool looking characters oh yeah, no, yeah. I, I love it up until that speaking point I, yeah, yeah i yeah. i should have been more clear but um yeah like i i I like the input. Like, I, there's a lot of jokes in this episode that imply a history that you don't see. Um, and this is another one where, like, how did you, how did you, did you call them? Like, how'd you get them? I, I love all of that unspoken. I think that that's where a lot of the humor comes from. Boy, me. And I, I wonder if Agnes is out for blood because they wounded her son. You know? <laughs> I know. Oh, I yeah. That now. oh yeah. <laughs> you hurt my Seymour. <laughs> it's such a great. Well, I mean, she does hate. She's like only the only she can hurt. She would say, Seymour, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, if I'm looking for an emotional arc that this completes the closest I can see to it is that Marge starts the episode not wanting to invest in anything, not wanting to have a business. She ends the episode ready to die for her business. <laughs> like, so if you want to find an emotional arc there, there it is. They kind of barely give lip service to it. As Marge said in an earlier episode, it's an ending. Yeah, <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, we have a big fight scene. Homer knows the rules of, of action movies. Marge but, is like very sensible. Like, I don't think we should be here in yeah. this area yeah. where this fighting. I think we should go inside. Not even like, I think we should call the cops or anything. Yeah. Just let it sort itself yeah. out. Oh, my memory should go inside. But Marge, that little guy hasn't done anything yet. Look at him. He's going to do something, and you know it's going to be good. Oh. You must hate me, Marge. Every time I try to help, I just fail miserably. Oh, I don't hate you for failing. I love you for trying. <laughs> What's going on outside? Oh, it's just a mob war. Go back to sleep, honey. Forgiveness, please. You just cut yeah. that scene out, and it's just... Or have like, him not talk or not say a very stereotypical thing. He could just bow. Yeah. It would have been bow. okay, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's funny because, like, normally in, a, in another episode, they would be in bed together, and, uh, like, Marge would say something sweet, and the episode would end. That is now set against a mob war happening outside of their home. Just, like, a very, like, what happened in this episode sort of conversation, but set against, like, chaos happening outside. Like, yes. wacky chaos. I, I do enjoy that part of it, even though... Nothing is really resolved, and but it is nope. sort of uh, a fun out of nowhere choice. They just kind of walk. I mean, this is I would I will complain about it when we get to Das Bus, but this is the same. This is basically, <laughs> let's say Mo. Yeah, yeah. the same. Like yeah. we don't know how to end this. Let's say that the mafia it's just fought trick each you other. You can only do so many times. I think uh, the Lester and Eliza was kind of one of the first major ones. Yeah, where, though that's the greatest. Yeah, like, it's like they play with the format so much the characters are freaked out. <laughs> like we need to solve the problem, not these new weirdos. Yeah, I mean, like, like 
say what you whatever your opinion on South Park is, this is not like a crab people situation, right? Where like yeah. that episode it like that that is like next level of no continuity. We just couldn't come up with an ending. And that's like the thing I usually measure these types of things against. I liked in later episodes. I liked in later episodes of South Park they would have the crab people show up as a joke of like, well, is this gonna be the end of the episode? No, it's not yeah. crab people. No. Yeah, there but was it, there's one scene where they're like planning something. I forget what the I haven't watched South Park in a while, but like the they're talking about a movie they're making and they were like, What about crab people? Like in their <laughs> writer's room. Yeah. But like yeah. this this is not a crab people in like there's still yeah. like a thread here. Yeah, the mafia th- like the mafia starts in act the end of act two, so this mafia is connected in that they're the other mafia is getting revenge. Mm-hmm. So, but it is it is sort of not resolving much. But what is there to resolve? Like Marge well, ends up selling a lot of pretzels, yeah. and I, I actually, guess she's like though it's a weird like she's happy of, for Homer for trying, yeah, see, even that's, though actually yeah. Now that I just talked about Marge's emotional arc, it shouldn't be her comforting Homer and it focusing on Homer's emotions. It should be about Marge. This is yeah. a Marge episode. Have it be about how Marge feels. Yeah, Homer kind of takes over in Act that's Three. That's not fair. Yeah. I mean, it should be about how she learned that yes, you you should try. Because she has that scene about how, like, if you just your aim so low that no one will care if you succeed. Like the arc, the natural arc you'd think would be, oh, I have learned that trying is somehow worthwhile, but this ending wouldn't give you that but emotional try, release. Yeah, you know, like that. This ending is just mm, Homer tried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, thinking of it that way from the aspect that this is a. Jennifer Crinton again being handed a Marge script, which the writers hate doing Marge scripts. They see it as a negative, even though they get great stuff out of it. It was seems like, oh, the new writers are given a Marge script. That's what Oakley Wein- Oakley Weinstein's first episode was a Marge episode because they just hand it's low rung on the totem pole. They are undervalued in this show. And it just makes it sad to me that like, well, we had a March script, but the last third is Homer. It's yeah, it's all Homer. They're always worried. Like I, I mean, I love Marge, and her jokes are harder to write, and I think her stories end up being better because she's a very emotional character. But mm. there is an anxiety over like, will people get bored if it's just mm. Marge? But yeah. uh, I, I enjoy her so much. I love the I love the very boring characters on the show. <laughs> me too. I really have an appreciation for Marge, and I do. I mean, now that we're talking about it, I do wish that it had focused more on her. Yeah. In that final act because I, I i mean i think there was a scene like the marge and lisa dynamic even lisa yeah. being so disheartened like that that mom no you know like that could have paid off in a what different if way so went to the mafia or, <laughs> or yeah if lisa yeah. had done it i do i do like marge and homer having the sweet dynamic though that yeah. always yeah. warms my heart so I can forgive it for that because that is a very sweet thing to say. I really want to know what was in the original draft. And one day we might interview Jennifer Crittenden. She's, uh, I think, I'd far too to. busy to talk to us. She's the executive producer on Veep right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, I'll give her a call. <laughs> also, someone find me her number. <laughs> I don't uh, have that. On Twitter, she's not particularly active on Twitter, which is crazy. You should always be on Twitter. Now we'll log off. Yeah, but even if you're running a TV show, be on the, the main thing she uses Twitter for, I've seen, is actually she tweets out these funny pictures of when knot holes in trees look like vaginas she tweets those out you know 
I respect that a lot. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. I'm thinking about it, but yeah. uh, she did. We it. need more Yannick representation on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I would cut at the end of this, it's just that Japanese accent. Just like, yeah. no, please. Yeah. Or get a Japanese actor to say that. I don't know. Not Hank Azaria. Well, yeah. yeah, the added uh, layer to the accent is the, the way he ends please with yeah. the please is like just not... Mm. It's not right. It's, right. it's off. Yeah. You wouldn't do on the end of like an S sound. You you wouldn't have to do that. People don't say desu. Mm. Like yeah. we weeaboos say desu, but yeah. you would just say des. Like you don't need the oo. So that's like the the biggest tell for me is like mm, that's not even what it would be. It didn't even get that right, which is a kind of calls back to the was Christopher <laughs> speaking a real language. I really want to know. The thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But they almost made it. Yeah. They almost well, did it right. Almost. 97. I'll give them some credit, yeah. but uh, not all the credit. No. <laughs> so, yes, that was The Twisted World of Marge Simpson. Thank you, Callie, for being on the show. Yes. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, yeah. It was fun. Uh, yeah. Let us know. Where can we find you? Promote your stuff. I know you're at Game Spot. Yes, did I it, am. I did it. I did it. Uh, <laughs> and let us know what you do there. Oh. It's, it's been like five hours, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted, I didn't get an opportunity to throw it in, but when I told my mom I was doing this, uh, she responded with Oakley Doakley. And so I just Aww. wanted to give that shout out. But yeah. Is I your can, mom a listener or will, or will she be a listener? She will definitely listen. Oh, she already asked me about where she can find it. Okay. So, like, I like your show, but not those foul mouth boys that are on. Oh, <laughs> no. She talks to me. She knows. It's fine. Okay, cool. Um, cool. But I, I can plug my Twitter handle, I guess, which is uh, another weeaboo thing about me. It's Inky Dojiko, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. Because I am clumsy. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's all that's going on? I am, like I said, I'm the reviews editor at GameSpot. So I do, uh, I oversee reviews at the site. I review a lot of games myself. I am reviewing Destiny 2 Forsaken currently. Do a lot of shooter reviews, but I also really like Pokemon. I am a very confusing person. <laughs> um, and uh, you probably won't hear from me very much because uh, review season is coming oh and boy. I'm scared. Pray Oof. for Kelly. Yes. Right. So. I don't know when this is airing, but yeah. that's what's going on right now in my life. Two weeks. I, yeah. I, I mean, we're lucky to have gotten you right before review season at yeah. that at that point it's pretty much just like there's no especially if you're a reviews editor there's no mm-hmm. time for nothing except for 17 different hundred hour games mm-hmm. pretty much and yeah. then just editing all of those so I'm, I mean I'm excited I really like my job I just I'm glad I got to come here before the chaos begins as for us we're supported by Patreon if you want to help us out we have all kinds of great incentives for you to give uh, if you go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and give at the five dollar level you can listen to every episode of this show a week ahead of time and ad free and the same goes for our sister show what a cartoon we also have all kinds of bonus uh series like talking critic talking futurama uh interviews with writers of the simpsons and artists behind the simpsons we also do a monthly community podcast where we talk about news in the simpsons world and respond to your questions and comments we also do season wrap-ups for our simpsons seasons and uh deleted scene specials and we have a lot going on i'm trying to think there's just so much <laughs> happening folks at patreon.com slash talking simpsons henry can you please let people know two things that are patreon exclusive they should definitely listen to if they sign up today well you know we just had an interview with mark kirkland who has directed more episodes of the simpsons than anybody 84 he's working on right now is 84th and we talked to him a ton about not just his 30 years on the show but also how he got started in the animation industry in the late 70s at hanna barbera it's amazing to hear uh also we might have another cool interview by the time you listen to this so check it out there another big cheese (laughs) another big big cheese related to this season and also you should check out what a cartoon our sister show where we do the simpsony treatment but for tons of different animated series king of the hill cowboy bebop 
Batman the Animated Series, tons of other shows. It's a real uh, variety pack of animated series. We do the we same do thing on there. on there as we do with this. So yep. if you like us and you've made it this far, I think you do. Patreon.com. <laughs> you're listening to learn my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Just $5 a month. And at $10 a month, you get access to the premium videos we do, one each month, including where we go through every short from Simpsons history, just so we can be extra complete in our Simpsons retrospecticus <laughs> uh, as for me personally I am on Twitter as Bob Servo and my other podcast is called Retronauts it's a classic gaming podcast it's been going on since 2006 so you might have heard of it if not check it out at retronauts.com or look for Retronauts wherever you listen to podcasts uh, find a topic that you like and download the corresponding podcast I think you'll like it I hope you will Henry how about you and I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. You can follow me there for tons of political posts. But also, news for when new episodes of this podcast and what a cartoon go up. And same with whenever a new exclusive goes live on the Patreon. Check me there. H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thank you for listening, folks. We'll see you next week for Mountain of Madness. on the one franchise I might possibly have considered thinking about becoming interested in.